Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Call. Uh, big episode here for you this morning. Got a special announcement coming from myself, Austin, and uh, Ammer and John really probed me, walked me through it, challenged me with a bunch of questions, get to the bottom of it. I don't think there's any details left out here. Uh, and always grateful to have friends like these to always be curious with what I'm up to, offer feedback, and set me off on the right path. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Weekly Call. So we can turn on the stress response just by thought alone. We can think about our problems and turn on those chemicals. That means then our thoughts could make us sick. So if it's possible that our thoughts could make us sick, is it possible then our thoughts could make us well? The answer is absolutely yes. You're listening to the Weekly Call Podcast with Austin, Hammer, and John. Welcome. It's enormously important that you do have the right friends. If they make you a better person than you otherwise would be, that's the ultimate gift. It deals for the most part with success. It deals with people who you started your life off with and what success does to them. People look at you strange saying you changed, like you worked that hard to stay the same, like you're doing all this for a reason. Remind yourself, this fight that you're in, this is what will make you stronger. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Weekly Call. We've got a pretty good episode here for you today. Uh, how would you know? <laughs> yeah, how would you? Sorry, how would you know? <laughs> wow. Wait, you know, my, 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 my brain went into the rhythm of doing an intro. Like when you send me the, the you know what I mean? Like, and I go yeah, to, back yeah. and do the first intro, so... Uh, is is it worthy of a restart, or we're we're just gonna keep going? No, it's a restart. Good. No, no, no this we're is good. Thing. <laughs> yeah, uh, we got John out in Kelowna, BC, and Amar out in in, in Etobicoke, Ontario, and uh, myself out in Elmer, Quebec. So, is it uh, like got, is it like a, a hundred degrees where you guys are as well? Dude, it's been a cold summer. What? It well, it's been a cold. Like it's we had like twenty. It was 47 Bro. degrees. Like yeah, that's the other day. Oh yeah, it was 47 degrees. I think We've been having a like. relatively cold summer here. I would say like 20 24 25. It's like the max. You know yeah. what's ice cold though? Austin tell us about your week. Oh, dude. Um yeah, so pretty <laughs> exciting stuff. Um I over the past couple couple of months, I've been uh, been been in talks with um, with a, a new company who's growing out of Ottawa and uh, has been doing so for the past seven to eight years. And uh, actually, the two people that own it are Student Works alumni from back in the day. It's pretty exciting. They own a roofing company in Ottawa, Gatineau, uh, mainly Ottawa, actually, and. Um, just last year, they started to franchise it, and they have four franchisees across, um, I think, three in Ontario and one in Nova Scotia. And uh, over the past couple months, I've been in talks with them about a possible opportunity with them and, um, and, and what that would look like. And so over the past couple months, I've done... I've, I've gone and spent a day with certain franchisees to see how they run their businesses, understanding the roofing market, understanding how roofing actually works, um, understanding how the businesses ran, you know, 
there's a lot of terminology that we throw around in, in our businesses and even on this podcast um, that I started to realize how for people that, you know, that listen to this podcast that don't run painting businesses, we've just been throwing around terminology for the past two years on this podcast that now I felt super, you know, as, as an amateur learning all of the learning how a roofing business works to a certain extent, but you know, the most salient, uh, well, we can get into it more, but it just seems like a better fit for what I'm looking to accomplish in the next, the next five to 10 years. And, um, and I decided to buy a franchise for next year. So I'm going to be operating a, a Rydell roofing franchise in Gatineau, Quebec. Next year. So, are you, so are you no longer like so you're like you're no longer a district manager and no longer uh student works exactly yeah wow how's that what are you feeling man you know that feeling that you kind of get like f- physically uncomfortable but it's like it's like motivating it, you know mm. it's like a new page mm. um yeah that's that's what it feels like and i think there's a lot um it kind of, well, I guess it just feels like there's, it's kind of a perfect alignment in a sense where it's very similar skill set to run the business and operate the business in a different trade. So there's a lot to learn from a technical perspective and still a lot to learn from an operational and business owner perspective. However, there's just enough that I don't know that makes it so, that makes me a little bit anxious and nervous to just get after it again. Whereas mm-hmm. with, you know, painting and also everything that encompasses painting and staining. It's been the past, the past six years have been a whirlwind of excitement and learning opportunity, right? It's just been so amazing to know what I now know and go through that whole process from being a painter to a painter managing a crew to a production manager managing many crews to an operator managing the business to doing that for four years and then also moving your way up to coaching other people that are running businesses, like literally every single level, understanding it from every single angle. That experience has just been so, I'm so, 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 so thankful for it. Like I literally would not be the person I am today if I didn't get to experience that. When you said it fits well with your, your five to 10 year, your 10, 10 year plan. I'm just curious, like what, like what is that? How does that interact? Yeah. So what I, what I realized is that, um, you know, I, I just with what I've experienced with student works is that there's this aspect of coaching people that I really, really enjoy. And I don't know, I'm sure Amber can attest to this a little bit, right? hundred percent. And it's been very, it's been very, how can I say this? been very valuable to run my own business whilst concurrently coaching other people. Mm-hmm. That duality of a role is so, so I, I like I became a better operator when I started coaching other people how to become operators, right? Or how to grow their business. And um, that's why I was kind of trying to talk to you about, you know, district managing a few people, John, because I thought that that effect could have maybe had, uh, you know, somewhat of a positive impact on you. Um, and I'm sure in some way it could. But nonetheless, I also don't know if I, if you could do 1.2 million or whatever you're going to do um, if you were coaching people. But anyway, uh, 
they have outlined a path for they being Rydell Roofing uh, have outlined a path for me to get to a similar stage with them uh, where I would be running a franchise and also coaching other franchisees and, and helping grow the franchise part of the business across Canada. Oh, nice. So, but you have more of a stake in the game now, right? Well, yeah. And and it's allowed me to take this dual role and apply it in a bigger game. And that's really what I'm excited about, regardless of the intricacies. Well, the the, other thing too, is that it's going to probably most likely allow you to apply it into a game that has a bit more, let's say, um, negotiation to it. Right. Where, yeah, there's you, you, there's a bit more, let's say equity in it for you. For sure. For sure. And there's certain, um, there's certain differences that are salient, I would say with, with roofing and, and the way I look at it at a very general level is that you're essentially trading more liability for higher earning potential. And that's very basic because that's how the world works usually. <laughs> the more liability you have, the more earning potential you could possibly make or have. So that is obviously, you know, roofing is, you know, objectively speaking, more complicated than painting, right? So let's start there. Is it? From a technical aspect, uh, yes, because it happens to be the first and sometimes only line of defense that a house has especially in canada against the elements whereas painting obviously protects your house and you know can be uh can fortify the material on your house to protect it against the elements but if you have a roofing failure you're looking at no but i meant you so you were you kind of almost swap swaps Mm. subjects there you were talking from a technical standpoint. I oh, would have thought I would have thought roofing was a much more simple task. So, but but more but I mean, correct me. You you know you're the one buying the franchise. Not well, me. so from yeah no, you're you're not wrong. Like I guess it just depends what angle you're looking at it from. Um, if you're looking within just the market of asphalt roofs, then yes, I suppose that's quite straightforward. As soon as you've learned how to do it properly, and if you're talking low angle roofs, you're you're looking at something that's quite straightforward and quite literally anybody could reshingle their house if they had a low enough pitch right um and do it properly with with i would say basic training uh but the reality is you know on homes that you and i work on john that's just not the case a lot of people have not only steep pitch roofs but also different types of materials you know metal and there's many types of metal standing seam like there's just a lot of different ways to roof and it's just a new ball game that there's a lot that I know and there's a lot that I know I don't know and so I just know that even though it might technically be easier like may, maybe it is it, from, from people that have done both for more than 10 years I'm, I'd be I'd love to get somebody's take on that that has 10 years experience in both and actually find out which one they think is easier or harder. The reality is I know less about roofing than I know about painting. And so therefore, for me as an individual, I'm excited to figure that and to learn everything that there is to learn there because I know that there's a lot more for me to learn. What? And, yeah. What, uh, just out of curiosity, because I mean, you would think that if you were switching from, because essentially you're switching from one business model to the next, right? 
um, it, you know, there could obviously be characteristics of, of, of the uh, business arrangement that make it more favorable. But is there anything, which is most likely the case, but is there anything intrinsically about roofing businesses that make it a better business model? Or is it merely that it's a better business arrangement? Or do you think that it's actually a superior business model as well? That's a great question. I think it's, it, first of all, it's both. Um, there is definitely, uh, and the arrangement that's been proposed is, is in my opinion, exactly what I was looking for. And so what about the, the business is model better. is better about, so the yeah. business model of like, if you were to compare roofing to painting is the fact that the production capacity of dollar figure per day is kind of just in a different, it's in a different realm. So for, you know, like a good crew for you and I, John, well, I, I shouldn't talk for you, but you know, for me, it's looking like a good solid crew will produce between like $1,200 to $1,300 per day of, of valued work, right? And that's kind of on pace for what would be acceptable. So you're looking at more than double that for a roofing company at, at similar yeah. margins. Right. Oh, interesting. So similar margins, though. Similar. I would say they're they're most certainly lower, but like anything, the the scale capacity, uh, the scale capacity is is easier to attain from a sales perspective. Um, because are they making because one thing that to consider in that because I I have a friend who's in the chain link business, like mm. chain link fencing, mm-hmm. and their caught like the, like the amount of revenue they generate per employee is astronomical. Mm. But almost all of it is in what's in Cost. a commodity. No, but it, no, but uh, most of it, oh. in, most of the, yeah, most of it is in commodity, which is chain link. Like chain link is, right. there's not like a, there's, I mean, there's different gauges, but, but there's not like a, there's not really much diff, like it's a, it's a commodity really, right? Um, I mean, fencing is, is very much a commodity in a lot of ways, but point being, um, so even though the revenue is extremely high because most of that is of that revenue is not so much the labor because it's not very skilled labor either so it's unskilled labor with very high material costs so they have relatively lower margins but most of their their revenue per day is in these chain link and i would imagine that so the it's it's I would imagine that it's not necessarily higher skill, let's say, but it's what roofing seems to, you know, from an outside perspective, seems like they, they would make more money because it's just a lot more dangerous and it's hot, you know, it's it's just, it just seems like a really fucking hard job, like physically, right? So like you you think you'd make more, but of course the business would, so you might make more money off the labor, but, um, but correct me if I'm wrong, but shingles seem to be like a commodity. Like I don't like, like does one business have like far superior shingles than another or anything like that? It seems like that's something that, yeah, no, for sure. It, it it definitely because it definitely can become a commodity. I think that a lot of times with, you know, it's interesting you say that because I've always thought about certain areas of my turf as being more commoditized than others when it comes to painting because it really depended who I was marketing to that saw yeah, it as being know. commoditized or or more accustomed to their liking. So the people that I work with are customizing their designs with, you know, I work with a designer that I recommend for paint colors, but more often than not, the color that we're choosing for, or the colors that are being chosen for people's homes 
is really stepping them outside of what's commoditizing, right? Like they're designing everything for themselves. Sure, the the impact of the protection of people's homes when you paint the exterior of that of them, that can somehow be commoditized because there's no, like you're essentially competing on pr- like price per square foot. You know, a lot of people who reach out for quotes uh, online to me for painting are like, hey, what's your price per square foot? Like that's a commoditized offer. Whereas people that are like, hey, I really want, you know, hey, I'm interested in having you guys paint my home. Why don't you come take a look? And you talk to them about what their vision is and what they want to attain. And you customize them, quote, completely to what they want. Those are the people like 90% of my clients every year are those people. And I really don't think that's going to change with roofing. I think that I will get more leads based on commodity because roofing itself, like people know like people don't need to paint their house at the end of the day unless they have it made of wood on the exterior and they don't want it to rot away, but they don't need to paint the interior of their homes more than once if they don't want to. And, but they eventually know that if your shingles start warping to the point where they are leaking, you need to get it replaced. So technically roofing could maybe be theoretically more commoditized, but I think a lot of time in the areas of the market that we're playing to and the materials that we're selling to them to put on their roof are higher quality and more makes more sense for them. So Sorry, yeah. when I say commoditized, I mean, because obviously like there's the, the safety aspect of roofing all the things, but right. when you say there's a higher revenue, um, is it in fact similar margins or, because I, I like, I would have thought that the shingles would have been like really low margin items, the labor maybe higher margin, but where you would maybe build the value would be like the safety, the service, you know, all the things mm. you build in the painting world, right? Well, that's actually great. Yeah, no, you're totally right. The safety, the insurance, there's, there's, there's from, from what I've gathered at this point from, you know, and granted, I haven't gone through the extensive franchise. Sorry, can I actually just, I just, yeah. I just want to really just emphasize this because I, I think sure. it would really clarify. So like on a, on a $5,000 trim job for painting, for example, whether I'm using the most expensive paint or the cheapest paint, that's not the reason why I'm charging double or, you know, 30%, 50%, 60% more than another guy. It's it's not because I'm using a far superior product. Like it's 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 just not a material there's not like a large material cost. Even when I'm spraying someone's exterior and we're going through tons of paint, it's not even really that much of a cost. Whereas where I was going with this is like in roofing, for example, shingles are fucking expensive. So if you're doing like a, you know, like $20,000 roofing job, it seems like a really large portion of that would be the material cost and there's not an there's not a is there a massive opportunity to make money on the material itself does that make sense i totally get what you're saying and do, i don't do you see where i'm going with that I yeah totally yeah, get painting, what you're saying. there's, yeah, there's no. less of it's less of a factor that well way. the reality is with roofing the the material costs is is known like yeah like there, there's no hiding that like if somebody's getting their entire roof redone in a high quality shingle or or, or metal or aluminum they can easily go find the price per square foot. Like there's an exact dollar amount. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's yeah, okay. not really where the money's made. And, and granted, because they operate, because Rydell operates at such high scale across uh, Eastern Canada at the moment, sure, they get a better pricing on material, like we do, right? But it's it's nothing to. Oh, interesting. So there is actually an economies of scale to. There totally is an economies of scale because there's yes. not really one in painting, which is sort of frustrating. Well, there is based on what the consumer pays. It's honestly, in my opinion, quite disrespectful what the consumer pays for, like a gallon of paint. No, but any good. but anybody with a business. Any, yeah, literally yeah. anybody with a business card. You're talking about the difference between a regular business discount and like a, a like a next yeah, level. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, I agree. 
without without even presenting much proof at all you and you have a registered business you should be able to get at least a 15 percent discount right off the top with no like <laughs> i'd even so, say more i bet yeah 30%. yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i bet like at cloverdale i think that they give bca members 30 percent. like I, yeah yeah you know. exactly yeah yeah, yeah. like i, uh, I sometimes i have to get paint at certain paint stores for certain clients who like need to use certain products and i'll walk in and be like hey i have a painting business and i'll probably be buying a lot of paint here this summer what you know what's your best price they can give you can give me it's like 30 percent immediately that's it like there's no like oh hey you know what do you want to make a deposit on the paint you're going to buy in the future so that we know you're gonna it's like no just 30 percent like Painting is a bit ridiculous in that regard, but nonetheless, there is an economies of scale on roofing materials for sure. Of course, that does change across asphalt and metal and standing seam and steel and all this stuff, but yes, there is an economies of scale. But to answer your question, I think the best way to answer the question to you, John, is saying, imagine the value proposition that you're offering your clients right now in painting and applying that to roofing. That would actually be the best way for you to kind of maybe conceptualize this. So... There's obviously, you know, the the warranty on all of our work. So there's three tiers of warranties that we sell for the roofing, like for the roofing itself, because roofing, you also have to understand is something that like when you do a final walkthrough with a client, you know, hey, the roof, few people want to get up on their roof and look at it. So it's, you know, the there's not as much of an intensive final walkthrough for clients and they know that they're not going to be able to like identify areas that may or may not leak. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a lot of a harder inspection. So there's actually warrant, there's warranties that are sold. Um, just give me one sec. Um, I was going to ask him, Oh wait, he's, uh, he's coming back, but I was, I'm wondering why join a franchise when you can start your own business? I'm kind of curious what his answer is. Well, no, that that that's that totally makes sense to me. Um, the part that I find interesting is like whether or not the business actually has a high enough. Like, cause yeah, I have a series of questions. We're talking I'm gonna some ask shit about you uh, uh, while you're gone, Austin. No, but, my my laundry okay, here, machine I'll be, I'll just started making open. like that loud ass. It's noise. all good. So anyway, yeah. By the way, I, I hope you know that I, I'm more or less just out of curiosity. So I have a hard time believing. Take in mind, I don't know shit about roofing. So like. You know, when I'm saying all of this, I'm not necessarily like stating as in my opinion, but just from an outsider's perspective, it seems hard to believe that roofing would have um, similar or higher margins than painting um, with just how much revenue you can generate. Um, Like, like, is that actually like, is that a factual thing that you're saying? Because it seems like pretty hard to believe that because it seems like to run a like a two million dollar roofing company would would like would be uh, with not and I want to I hate I hate the word easier but it seems like it would be more achievable than running a 2 million dollar painting business 100% yes yeah yeah I don't think it's, I don't think it's a controversial thing the same way that like doing a million dollars in like chain link fencing is not really a crazy thing because you can just there's so much material cost in that that it's you know it's 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 you know you're you're not you're not it's not the same thing right um but a $2 million painting business would, you know, would probably make, you know, somewhere around, you know, 500 to $700,000. And it like, does a roofing business actually make that much money off that? Like, it seems like that like, it would be like, more if, like, if, it would be more like 350 to 500. 
Yeah. Okay. So there we go. Okay. I just want to make sure because like that's what I said. Similar profit, yeah. similar margins. Yeah. Okay. On, I just on... want to make sure because I was thinking like, damn, like, dude, if these roofers out here have that kind of margins, like, it seems like a business that would be ripe for for people just hopping on it because it doesn't seem like a very management intensive business like painting is. So the one thing that is different though, John, is that uh, from what I've understood up until this point is with painting there's a very high degree of of how can i say this properly the the difference between a painting company that let's say they do two million dollars and if they run efficiently they can earn 500 to 700k in 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 profit right um now if that's the case that requires a lot of management on your end from the an model insane amount yeah insane amount of management yeah. to like do that. yeah i mean yeah. an insane amount yeah. yeah like it's it's almost inconceivable it, with, it's with, not it, even, for me to be least, honest yeah. i call bullshit on on people that do two million dollars in, in painting that uh, on the residential side yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah like uh, commercially totally different game you know if yeah. you're gonna do like new yeah. construction but on the residential side i would be blown away to find yeah. a business that does two million <laughs> exactly so that that repaint residential repaint I should right really and so with with the roofing market uh what what's a very common theme is that well like i said uh, we were talking before the podcast and you know the people that you have working on roofs, the people that are employed to produce roofs and, and to actually carry out the work, um, at least from what I've experienced as a student painting operator, uh, require drastically less uh, micro supervision than, we, than, than your employees do, John. So for example, the majority of the work that I will produce in 2022 will actually be carried out by subcontractors, right? And so these subcontractors have a specific amount that I am, like there's a contract between myself and the client. And you just pay them per And there's a contract between myself and a subcontractor. And so it's a very clear cut and dry agreement that there's this amount of money to be made and the roof needs to be redone. And Obviously, I'm there the from a project management standpoint. Exactly. So I'm there from a project management standpoint to make sure it gets done efficiently, to make sure it gets done safely. I have a repair tech on site that works for me, not on site while the crew is there, of course. But um, the the scalability in terms of the managerial configuration of the franchise is a lot more friendly towards scale, if that makes sense. Because of the subcontracting model? Uh, the subcontracting model is indeed temporary. Um, the goal is to obviously, because subcontractors cost noticeably more than if I actually had all of these people. Let's say in theory I had three subcontracting crews. I was hiring each of them individually to produce certain projects around for me. Um, they would cost noticeably more than if they were just my employees, of course. Really? Right? Yeah. So it, the the I goal is to actually. Around. Uh, no, because well, no, because subcontracting In the painting world. I think it's the other, it, it's it's the other way around. Uh, You're uh, saying it's more expensive to have employees. Absolutely. What? 
Yeah, because you're having to pay CPPEI. You have to have uh, work safe co- uh, workers compensation. So John, for like, them. let's say I pay you're a having painter. To have, like you're having average. to typically have a manager to manage them, right? Um, you have to have tons of like, lots of systems in place. Company vehicles. John, I completely agree with what you're saying. There's so many externalities. The amount of money in, you know, I every payroll I look at that I see what I'm paying out versus what my painters get is I. I it's ridiculous, like the amount of burden that that we pay as employers on employees, right? I I get what you're saying there. However, if you just consider the, you know, let's keep it real. Let, let's keep the example true to painting here. Um, if I pay a painter, uh, let's say twenty dollars an hour, uh, I'm going to be paying out. Well, let's just keep it really simple. I pay them fifteen dollars an hour. I'm going to pay out twenty dollars an hour with burden. Um, even if the subcontractor that I were to hire to carry out that same project was going to pay their, their crew $15 an hour, uh, they're charging way more than $20 an hour for a painter. Like the, the amount that a subcontractor would charge to take on the project themselves is just larger than it would cost to produce with employees, even taking into account burden. And we can talk about this like more in depth, but that's just the reality of it. So it, it's a more profitable model to have employees work for you as opposed to sub subcontracting a lot of your work. Because when you subcontract your work, there's also, uh, you know, the subcontractors need to be registered. Yeah, but, you, but you're, but you're, but you're only accounting insurance. for one of the one of the expenses. So like that, that doesn't like that's not what really do you mean a, by a fair one argument. Of the expenses? Well, because you said like, you said like it's going to cost you twenty five dollars an hour in labor, but like what about all of the materials, etc.? Uh, what about like you know supplies you're having to buy these painters? What about the company vehicle you supply them? What about um, what do you, you know, mean the supplies? Do you mean what like about the, the actual manager you're having to hire? No, I mean most subcontractors bring their own equipment, their own paint brushes, their own sprayers, and things. You might supply the paint, but but they're going to supply their own equipment, and. You're also not having to like you're you're not paying insurance in their vehicles. You're not. You're also to, paying you're not, for that. You though. don't have to buy it. You, no, no, you're not though. Like no, but I'm saying. But you said that it's. I mean, all I'm saying is like you did just say it's going to cost you about twenty five dollars an hour in labor, but a subcontractor is going to charge more. But it doesn't cost you twenty five dollars an hour to employ someone. It costs way more than that because you're having to hire a manager to watch them. You're having to have like I mean hell even the uh, your accounting bills are going to be more expensive if you have if you have employees versus if you're if you have a subcontractor model I mean literally everything will cost more there's a lot of extra expenses there I mean even just owning ladders is expensive you have to like I'm having to replace you know now that I have 50 ladders right like I'm saying we have to probably replace like 5 every year like there's probably 10% turnover on that right so but like that's like $1000 in ladders every year Right, divide that, you know, so but it's all those little expenses, those absolutely add up. I I totally get what you're saying, and I don't necessarily think I have um every single answer for you to say that one of us is definitely right or wrong. All I can say is that when you're when you're talking about the goal of scaling, like let's keep the let's keep the example of two million dollars in, in play here. Um having that solely produced by subcontractors is uh, can become less cost effective than having people who directly work for you 
like you're rarely going towards a hundred percent in true, either though. way. I thought you're rarely going a hundred percent in either way. So you're not trying to attain like a hundred percent employees, a hundred percent subcontractors. There is, th- th- there is a uh, a middle ground to to actually. I just I don't know if that's the case though, because I, I typically the reason why that I that I've understood okay that people go down the subcontracted model is because there's it, you make more money, like but it, but there's but it, you have way less quality control and it's hard to build a brand and it's it's like there's a lot of it, 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 there's a lot of um, let's say externalities to a subcontracting model that make it unfavorable mainly quality control being the number one mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of control of your business you don't own your employees they are mercenaries so you know you're gonna ha- you, you you're <laughs> let's say a little bit more you know yeah. I mean. Machiavelli talks about not hiring mercenaries a lot, but or not relying. We have on an them episode about that. Uh, yeah, you can you can hire them. You just don't want to rely upon them. So yeah, but you know, typically, I thought the reason why people were doing that was because it was more profitable because you you, you can scale up quicker. You don't need to have a crazy management, and uh, you know you, it's just a lot simpler business model. And no, I, and, and it, you know, one hundred percent. One of my biggest sales pitches to people on why I'm more expensive is because I don't subcontract because I, I it's more expensive to keep it in house. So like, it just like, I, mm. I've been using the sales pitch for like, for the last like four years. So I just, I have a really hard time believing mm. that it's more expensive. No, John, saying, hearing like, you I, bring up I, yeah. the expenses that you spoke about, like the, the, it's very hard to actually build a brand presence and actually take your business to the next level from, um, from a branding perspective as well as a scaling perspective and and growing a team that can actually take on a, a, a much much larger amount of work it is definitely harder to do that with reliability as well like that's like that's no a hundred percent yeah and i'm and i thought back when you mentioned the word mercenary i thought back to our episode i looked it up episode 74 the mercenaries dilemma i think we spoke about like the pains of subcontracting specifically i think that's what that whole <laughs> that whole episode was about so like i think I, that I, for example i i mean i don't sub it out but like i hire a power washing company because it's cheaper and it's way less of a hassle than if I was to do it myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, you're right. Like there are like, put it this way. If we're talking strictly about dollars and cents, which is I think what we were actually speaking about up until this point, you can make an argument that, okay, having subcontractors work for you can be more cost effective with a certain size of business. However, if your goal is to actually create a high amount of brand presence brand equity and and grow an entire team it's almost impossible to have a consistent service with subcontractors as a two million dollar company like the one thing i saw with the fran- one of the franchisees that i visited uh, last week is that he had four job sites going and four different subcontracting crews going on these projects and it was like night and day going from job site to job site, talking to these different subcontracting groups because no systems, right? Well, yeah. they're just their own business. It's like hiring. It's like, it's like, um, it's like some, it's like a, a, a commercial client, a commercial client, sub, like a, a person that got a contract to paint an entire apartment complex hired you to do half of it and a rookie operator to do the other half. And they were like, well, what's going on here? Like, why why is there like all of these differences in terms of what's getting done, the communication, all these things? 
So I, I definitely approach that very narrow-mindedly. I think that you can save money in the short term with subcontractors, but the goal is to actually move towards an employee model so that you can save money from the sense of like not having to go back and do, you know, there's a lot of times where it's hard to find a really good subcontracting crew that you can rely on because if you start, you know, it gets to the point where it's almost like the relationship gets really good with a subcontractor, but then it gets to a certain point where if you're giving them all your work, if if you're giving them all their work, they're starting to become over-reliant on you. And then they know, like, there's just like this power imbalance with subcontractors. Like it, you know, and that's the whole thing we spoke about with mercenaries dilemma, right? Like, so anyway, I, I think that you're definitely right. And and obviously there are many things about that. Like I, I would love to come back and listen to this podcast a year from today. Just this one that we're having right now, right? Just so I can hear all the things that I've said so far and how um, maybe short-sighted they are. Like there's a lot of stuff for me to learn. And I literally committed to this a couple of days ago. So I'm really excited to, hey, Amber, to ask, learn. Ask your question because yeah. that was kind of the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to quick fire some stuff at you so I can just better understand this model. Um, what is the average job size per customer? Right around, uh, it's between 10 and, I would say between 9,500 and 10,500. Okay, so $10,000. What's the average job site for your painting business right now? Uh, it's sitting right around 4,000. 4,000. So we're looking at Which a... Which is considered to be pretty 2.5 high. multiple. Yeah. Okay, okay. So 2.5 multiple so far. Um at $10,000 average job size, what is the average percentage of materials? The cost? average percentage of material on that is between, um, it's around 15 to 25%. Okay. And uh, labor? Labor is sitting around 30, 35%. Uh, no, sorry, it should be closer to 40. Okay, so 20% material, 40% labor, we're at 60%. After... How much is the franchise take? But it's well, obviously labor's between like it, it really that that's your biggest swing vote there, right? So it's between thirty and forty percent. I would say it's closer to thirty-five. Okay, thirty-five. Yeah. So you got forty-five percent. The franchise fee is sitting at seven. Seven percent. Yeah. Perpetual. I, I like. There's options for franch like new franchisees that come in. You can. Um, you can structure your franchise to be more your franchise fee to be more front loaded or sorry your royalty percentage to be more front loaded to start paying off your franchise fee if you can't afford the initial buy-in sure sure so it's a seven percent until actually i think it goes down to six sure. after i do a certain amount of revenue yeah okay so so there's and then any other costs no like disposal fees that's all included fees. in like like the materials and administrative like yeah that's all. Um, and what 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 does the seven percent get you? Yeah. Uh, the seven percent gets a uh, well the CRM in terms of managing our website or our our, our the, managing the innards of our business right like the. Simon. How we actually, yeah, well, it's essentially Simon. Yeah, it, it, it's like Simon 2.0. It's insane, uh, this software. And then also a, a full, um, an, an accountant, like a full team of accountants that work for Rydell that do all of our finances for us in terms of processing checks, paying out our materials for us. They pay out all of our material bills. Um, I get an actual 
estimating team, so I don't actually do any of the estimates myself. They, they do all the estimates in-house via satellite imaging, and I just go sell them. Um, so I don't have to actually learn how to do estimates uh, in terms of I don't have to get up on roofs and estimate and measure stuff. They're able to compute all of their all of their estimates, uh, and and they like I I essentially John we schedule estimates into Simon we have to go then do the estimate like essentially as soon as we schedule the estimate into so the, into sorry, Simon the, the estimates them generated. doing all of the estimating a hundred percent which makes it more scaling for selling as well hundred percent that's cool yeah. and that's um, a very cool feature that's a very mm-hmm. very cool feature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was a huge sell. Like the biggest thing I was worried about when I was like the the three big worries I had going into this this like I've been doing this for the past couple months talking to them was the ability to estimate accurately, the ability to manage people who are more experienced than me, and to obviously learn the trade. Like that was my my, my three big concerns because I obviously need to know what I'm talking about from a technical standpoint. So are you taking like is Mark coming over with you or anything? Yeah, well, there's still a lot to be ironed out there. I think that uh, it really depends on the relationship that, well, I first obviously want to be involved in the replacement, like the hiring replacement of who's going to take over Chelsea Wakefield for as, as a painting operator with StudentWorks. And if I, can, if I can help fill that position with somebody in my network that has either worked for me or that, has, that I've coached, there's a lot of opportunity there for um, facilitating the sales of work that I get. So, for example, a lot of the work that we get in our painting business is actually, believe it or not, strictly through word of mouth. And that word of mouth is, uh, well, the referral strat, like the referrals that we're getting for work are likely not going to die down. And so there's going to be a surplus of painting work to book. And if I can sell that to um, whoever's taking over that area, whether that be Mark or I I imagine there will be a a form of a hybrid role for Mark being with me at Rydell while also having one foot in the painting bag still because that's really his bread and butter where a lot of money can be made for him there and to and to help hedge Mark's Mark's bets like. Obviously, my goal is to run a very profitable, large business. Um, however, you know, I'm taking on a big risk here. And I'm at a stage in my life where I can take on a big risk and, and also learn a lot. And I have to say, I'm kind of surprised like that, you, that you're like completely dropping the student work stuff and just doing a, a, just a direct transfer over to another franchise. It's, it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. Well, the big thing, John, is that I, I'm surprised at that, too. To be honest, like when I say it, it sounds a bit sublime because I honestly can't remember a time that I wasn't with student works, you know, like it's been so long. So, um, no, I think that the biggest the biggest motivating factor to drop one and move to the other is actually just been. There's an opportunity for me to do what I do now for Rydell as uh, mm. f- from a, from a de- developing the franchise side of the business right there's not just the opportunity of being a franchisee there's the opportunity of helping grow the side of the business that is franchising and as soon as Do you i think can that it's going to run- be much better than what you cuz like cuz like uh so like i guess the lens that i'm looking at this through is 
and, and this is maybe the wrong lens. I mean, this is this tends to be the, the lens that I look through. Is right. you know, will you make more money? Uh, you know, is it more? Um, uh, could it potentially be more passive, right? And do you think that like? Because it, it, it like if you're because you're going from one franchise to because you have actually have because you actually have something already with the painting business right like you you're one half a million dollar business this year you have a asset right now I mean we've we've all kind of talked about how you know painting businesses aren't really the best let's say sellable <laughs> asset but they are you know they're pretty good for you know they're great for cash flow um, and you know they're you know more more than people think there's a, there's a decent repeat client referral base there but. Uh, you have a really tangible asset, you know, mm-hmm. no equity in it because it's student works, no equity, but you do have a tangible asset. It did, and, but you now are going to a business where you do have equity. Okay, so there's an advance, there's an upgrade there. You're, but you're going from to a, a for sure DM now to a potential DM, like, uh, like the like that's why I was asking about the business model. Like the business model would have to be, you think it would have to be that much better for you to take that risk, right? Because even me going from Studentworks to ProWorks is a decision, and that was the same fucking business, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know? No, I, John, <clears throat> to me totally... that was a no-brainer because I was because I was it was literally going from same industry to same industry, same city, uh, same city, equity, totally, totally, no, no equity. Hear you. Whereas you're swapping industries, which is interesting. Yeah. No, dude, I a hundred percent get the like. I'm like, really could you not potentially? You and I hate to be the guy, but could you not potentially like work? you know, for three, three years, maybe you get there faster, but three years and you're just exactly where you are now, but just in the, like, you're just the roofing version of Austin. Is that not a potential risk there or? Mm-hmm. Well, I, I do definitely see where you're coming from. And my goal, John, and I should have probably made this more clear from the beginning. I'm realizing I didn't really even talk about it that much is my goal is not to run. My personal goal is to not run a roofing franchise for more than three years. I came to that conclusion a second before this because I put down all these numbers and I kind of saw what the opportunity is. So um, I just have one last question. What's sure. the, how many average jobs does an average roofing company close in a season? Uh, what is the well, season for roofing Are you talking well? uh, uh, March year? to Sorry. November? Um, wait, are you just talking about, you're talking about Rydell, like that would be impossible to answer otherwise. No, like, yeah, yeah, right, L, yeah. Like, what's their average franchisee? How many jobs do they land? Not jo- not size, just how many average jobs do they get in a season? Uh, that, I, I have to look into that more. I can't answer that. Like, I honestly... Okay, could, here's another yeah. question. What's the average revenue per business in Rydell for a franchise? So uh, just reverse engineer that number. Yeah, sure. So it's right around, like... It's it's obviously their first year of franchising this year, and they're halfway through the year. So, do you want me to essentially control for Guest, end of guesstimate year? to the end of the year? Yeah. Um, Be conservative. Yeah, of course. I'm gonna say their top franchisee will do 1.5, and their bottom franchisee will probably do four to five hundred. So let's call it right in the middle at 750. 800 that's i would say that's pretty conservative there's only four of them at the moment so there's also a pretty small sampling bias there okay cool so just basically looking at this um tell me if i have anything wrong average painting business labor 35 percent, same as roofing average material cost in a painting business i'll put like 10 percent. roofing is double mm-hmm. 
Average franchising fee for a painting is around set like 22%. Yeah. Roofing is a third of that. Mm-hmm. Average profit per painting business. Well, sorry. Hold on. Just to clarify. Sorry. I mean, we're... I hate to just pick apart your model instantly, but like we, we did establish that we thought the roofing profit percentage was going to be lower. But the other thing too is the franchise fee is 7%, but um, the franchise fee you're including for the painting is including warranty reserve, which I would imagine that Austin would have to have a substantial warranty reserve for roofing. Austin? Um, we actually sell warranties as being... Um, like an so upsell? you're talking about you're talking about warranty or liability because there's like a certain warranty that's obviously with any project that we do, but then there's like certain tiers of warranty that we'd sell, and that's where that money's coming from. So uh, it's actually a different model altogether, John, because we don't sell warranties. Like we don't sell tiers of warranties. Like we don't go sell a gold standard warranty on certain projects like you would in roofing. So um, it's a it's a bit of a different holdback. But there is a cost associated. Oh, I, but I see. But you're built. You've built it into the warranty cost. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. So following this logic, the average profit per painting business franch- franchise thirty three percent, roofing is thirty eight percent. Yeah, Austin. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, um, looking at these numbers now, the difference is that the franchise fee is seven percent. But the materials and labor, um, I'm just going to, like, in my first year, I'm just going to move that up to 40 for labor and 25 for materials. Because if we're talking about my first year, it won't be, like, that's something to work towards, for sure. Got it. Uh, Yeah, but go ahead. Okay, cool. So with these adjusted numbers, the average profit per painting business is 33%, roofing 28%. So around a 5% difference, so a painting Mm -hmm. business is 5% more profitable. Um, but here, here's like the big difference. The average job size uh, for a painting business, uh, we're talking Austin, is 4,000 versus in roofing, which is 10,000. You're saying the average jobs um, that I think like a, like a painting business might do, I just put it at 400,000, like for you, right? I, I, I will, yeah, I will definitely be right around that this year. In cool. terms of 100 jobs. So my average job size is... Let me actually get you my average job size. It's all good. No, no, okay. that's fine. Okay, okay, okay. And then you said the average roofing company does around 750000 So mm-hmm. that's 75 jobs that you can land. Mm-hmm. So, But the question is, is around volume. Because how easy is it to land 100 painting jobs and how easy is it to land 75 roofing jobs? Well, the, yeah, like the booking rate for my business right now is at 85% and my booking rate for roofing will be 50 to 60%. Okay, so how many more leads do you need to get? Because um, uh, I know in painting... I don't have a lead to estimate ratio for you, unfortunately. Like I can't, you, I, you can't I couldn't even get that for you before the podcast is over. I could definitely find it out. But I don't Got have it. that off the top of my head. Got it. But just looking at this, it seems it seems at first glance, lacking some numbers, that running a roofing company um, can get you a bit more profit for the same amount of work. Well, okay, just to clarify though, like so when I did half a million dollars in revenue, my average uh, royalty for painting, okay, was like 14%, including all the warranty mm-hmm. reserves and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like you can adjust that. 
no, no, 14%. The and difference then, is, John, that we can't calculate here is that um, the ease of which this work is produced. So the seven hundred and fifty thousand uh, will not take um, that many days of work for a crew, right? Like, if you're running a painting business, you're looking at about seven hundred uh, days of work for for two people. So you'd need however many crews to get that done in a season. Right. But mm. like you're able to produce about. Um, so let me just actually no, so, write this down. Uh, I mean, changes. but hold on. But so, but is, but is the reason why you're swapping just because it's, you think it's a far superior business model? Yeah. And there's other reasons as well that I'd like to get into that are. This more is, this is what I noticed, which is this. And it also, can I guess that one of the reasons you want to kind of go into this newly born franchise is so that you can climb up the franchise ladder no it's not really about climbing up the ladder as much as it is just about helping like i, I i'm really really excited about growing a business that's in a growth uh, joining a business that's in a growth stage that's pretty much it so i want to be like right now um but you said you don't want to run a roofing company no so that means yeah so like i'd love to explain that so one of the things that i realized in the past i would say three years is that Running a business is really, really exciting to me. Um, and I know that I can run a profitable trades business, a painting business, let's say. Um, and what I realized when I tacked on the additional responsibility of coaching other people to also run their own profitable painting business is that the work being done with people to help them achieve something uh, over the course of even like in, in this case, you know, with student works, it's over the course of eight months, you're helping them go from being like literally zero to a hundred in terms of what they're able to do from a business perspective. So it's very, very intriguing and very, very motivating. And that, that effect is so, I, I, I find that very, like, I've just realized that that's essentially what I'd like to do. And there's also a part of me that really wants to help a company like Rydell grow to the point where like recruiting and signing on new franchisees to help go like to transform their lives through running a trade business is I think just something I find to be uh, very fulfilling. And so recruit like being being like in charge of dire like directing their franchise side of their business is really what my goal is. And there's, there's targets for me to get there. And I'm really, really excited to work towards that as being my sole focus after three mm. to five years. Uh, my, my, my goal is after three, hopefully closer to three, uh, to actually be strictly like full-time recruiting and, and well, yeah. So there'd be again, again, like district managing with student works, there's two sides to the coin, right? There's recruiting and then there's also, uh, coaching and so if i was going to coach franchisees well it would be very very naive and difficult to not have run a successful franchise myself so in order to do that i'm going all in to do that and i want to get there as fast as i um well, it's not really about speed i would say i don't really say it's as fast as i want to get there but that's the position that really you know, is what is the one that I want. 
I would say I would not be going to do this if that position wasn't mm. an option. Got it. Yeah. Would you want to eventually maybe run the franchise? Do you mean run vice the f- president, then yeah, president? Yeah, no, I, exactly what I want to do, yes. Boom. So you want to be the Patrick Lalonde, the Jordan Kipnis, Corey Bertram? Yeah, exactly. I want to be the. I want to be all of those at Rydell. Wow. Yeah. Crazy man. What a, what a move. What, what a, a move. big move. So we got John it's jumping. It's gonna be from, really interesting. It's yeah. gonna be interesting to see how our business careers. I was adapt just about to say the next few years. I was about to say John goes all in on a painting business. Austin goes all in on a roofing. It's Hammer like, goes all in on consulting. Consulting, yeah. I think for me, it's like I don't have to open up a new franchise to scale my business. I can just create a new product out of thin air mm-hmm. and then sell that. So it's kind of the same. But I will, I will. Well, as of next year, though, I won't be all in on the painting business. Yeah, you got HVAC now, right? So yeah, it should, it should. We we should be up and running next year. Yeah, early, early, early April, twenty twenty two. It's just so crazy, man. That's so cool. <laughs> wow, what a milestone for all of us. So we'll see how many boxes well done, we can Austin. check here over the next. Thanks, thanks, guys. Um, there's nothing more restoring than, like, I know that I can come here for a critical discussion. I was talking. Although I'm kind of surprised. Sorry, I'm sorry to interrupt, but I'm surprised that you didn't talk about this beforehand with us. Yeah, well, you didn't get our opinions on it. Yeah, I know. I. Um, what was that about? Well, I thought about it, and I thought, well, the reality is. I want. I, I know I can go talk to Amor and John about the, the things that we've spoken about already on this podcast. Picking apart what's the better model, what's the better service, what's the better, essentially, what's the better business to be in. Right. I was ready to have that discussion anytime, whether that was here or five weeks ago or however long ago I started thinking about this. But I didn't even want to have it. Unless I knew that this position that I was talking about as being, uh, you know, the director of franchising was even in the question, because that's really what I'm going for here. Mm-hmm. And the path in which I am needing to get there is through running a franchise for one to three years. And so, you know, barring the numbers being exceptionally piss poor, pardon my language, I was I was going to do it. Right. Mm. And so it was really only a matter of getting the getting the right offer put in place so that it was it was actually directed towards that position because it's a really weird offer to make right as you can imagine like well i I can i can actually relate because i'm on the other end of that offer where like right now trist and i are trying to find an operator to Mm -hmm. relocate in in some people's cases literally across the entire country the operator Mm -hmm. that we that we're that we're going with he's he's going to move basically across the entire country to run found this business one. i mean yeah i mean the papers aren't signed but yeah we we have our i mean Whoa. our top candidate from day one we ended up getting basically oh. and yeah we couldn't be more than happy more than we could be happier with who we got i mean well done an absolute killer but but it's but this but the, the sales pitch was because because right now <clears throat> you're going to make probably less money next year than you probably are this year, most likely, right? 
Most likely. Like most there's, I mean, like, look, sorry, I mean, yeah, we're talking in hypotheticals. Yeah. Yes, I would say odds are yes. Yeah, <clears throat> and then the year after, you you might make the same, if not more, right? And and so on. So, but the the, the sales pitch that I was trying to make uh, to the individual that we're bringing on was very similar. Where it's like, hey, dude, look at you're not like if you're if you're trying to maximize your profits in the next year or two, then this is not the opportunity for you, right? Mm. But if you're trying to maximize your profits three, five, six, seven years down the road, now this is opportunity for you because essentially what you're doing is that you're moving from one opportunity to another. One just has a higher ceiling. Yeah. Right, that, that, that's what you're doing. You're moving to a very similar industry where you feel like you can accelerate quickly that has a higher ceiling. Is that kind of the gist of it? I, I, like you're I not, hadn't like thought about it now. You know, you're not going to take over Patrick Lalonde's spot. Like he, he, it's already filled, right? Well, you're so, not going to be Chris Thompson. It, it's already so filled. So here's right? that's actually a great point because uh, I, I was talking to Miranda about this earlier. I was like, you know, I don't want to leave student works unless it's something that literally can change my life as much as student works has changed my life. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said that, like that's that I would not be leaving if that wasn't the case, but I truly believe that this position will allow me to again, level up in a sense that it will change my life. Like I, I, I wouldn't just be going and, and buying a like whether it was hvac or roofing or or any form of business opportunity i had i had actually two other offers believe it or not i can't believe to i can't i can't actually believe that i'm saying i had three job offers to choose from like one of them was my client who kind of figured out what i was actually doing with student works from a coaching perspective and wanted me to help him franchise his business oh and there's an there's a person that connected with me. I made a post about my team that I'm coaching on LinkedIn, and a guy who was actually in my landmark forum, who I connected with two years ago, reached out to me and was like, "Hey, how are you doing? It's been such a long time. Uh, I saw your most recent post about um, your team that you made, and I don't I didn't even know you were into coaching. We're looking to." start to franchise as well or would you be interested in, in hopping on a call so there were two other offers that i had from very legitimate businesses that i just turned down to go do this with rydell because i truly think that working with these people and having this role put in front of me and kind of this carrot being dangled in front of me to get to that point will actually change my life as much as it's changed my life thus far but just to clarify it's 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 higher ceiling but it's mo it's yeah. the equity behind the business as well exactly right? so here's the thing yeah yeah, what I was yeah. talking to Miranda about yeah. this is that I, you know, I, I have so much respect for Patrick and so much respect for Chris and so much respect for everybody that has helped make or made Student Works what it is today that that I just know like there's there's quite literally a like I am where I am. Well, in in, in to to, you know, also just kind of state it out loud. Studentworks doesn't even like um, they're not even trying to be that in the first place, right? They're not trying no, to I be know, the, know, permanent, yeah. the permanent. No. The permanent. They are the they are merely the uh, the first staircase that launching businessmen. Yeah, we're, yeah, it's the first staircase we walk. I, up, so, I agree with you, John, yeah. but I still wasn't going to leave unless and because I still saw myself like I I still feel like I am in a better place this year than where I was last year. You know what I mean? Like I still learned more. 
dude, you're talking to the guy who yeah. was in it for six years. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, there, like yeah. there just never was another. There wasn't a better opportunity that came up, yeah. right? That that yeah, made sense, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. Why not start your own business, Austin, instead of joining a franchise? Man, you know what? I uh, I thought about that so much, and uh, it's a different thing, isn't it? Like, it's a totally yo. You know what? Thing. You know what? I realized that I thought like I had to actually sit there and think about what it would be like. And the reality is I don't actually feel like I've been running a business. Yeah. Can I just, okay. So I say something as well. So yeah, go ahead. Just like Amher, I think you're an entrepreneur. I think I'm a businessman and I think uh, Austin is an executive. Like that's just a very on a very high general level. I, so if you ever want to ask any questions as far as like Austin, I have no interest in starting businesses like, because he's like I don't think Austin's an entrepreneur. I'm not an entrepreneur. You're I think you're but dude I I never call, I've never once in my life called myself an entrepreneur and and people mm. have been like oh yeah I, no. no like oh it's so like when I people that I've done work for in my painting business they're like oh it's so cool to see you you know entrepreneurially inclined I'm like. I don't think I am. I really am not like, I don't feel like I've been running a business for the past four years. I feel like I've been in an environment that fosters innovative thinking and people who really want to improve their lives through uh, doing things that are kind of challenging. And, and and the environment of the people I work with, like the people that I coach, the people that I, the people that, co- the, the Patrick, the person that coaches me, and the other 228 operators that currently exist with StudentWorks that I talk to, not obviously all the time, I, there's some of them I don't even know, but just because there's like a just a, an army of people that are trying to accomplish the same thing that I'm accomplishing is really the only reason why I feel like I'm able to keep going at the level that I'm operating at. Like, do you know how much money Mackenzie Mercier has made me this year? Just by virtue of doing better than me, right? Uh, can, Can I try and guess? Yeah. 35,000. I was going to say 60. But Amr, do you know how much money you've made me in my lifetime by always just totally leaving me in the dust? <laughs> oh, oh I, I, just, I, I thought Alec you were Drury DMing. Singh has made me. Yeah, no, 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 no. I thought like overall, oh, Mac 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 Mercy. No, no, no. oh, Mac Mercy probably made you six figures. Yeah, I yeah, know, because like, dude, I would have like, I, and I've told you, I've said this story like 16 times, I would have done a comfortable 250 or maybe even an uncomfortable 250. Uh, if it wasn't for you calling me that day and be like, I'm doing 500, join me or don't, but here's why, like, you should do it. Like you, you essentially said, Hey, look, like if we're going to do this, let's do it right. And that commitment, I still fell way short of 500, but I went from 250 to 350 and I, you know, that that's a huge jump, man. And that wouldn't have happened if I was went and started my own business. Mm. Like the like i'll be honest like i i i have never lived alone Mm-mm. i i don't like living alone i i i would be somebody that would get very lonely mm. yeah you know like i i don't like working alone straight up that's it that's why i wouldn't that's why i would actually never start my own business no 
Yeah. I, I love it. It's nice and quiet in here, you know? Dude, like, I yeah, don't know I, how I you... I look at what you do. It's yes. a totally different thing. Like, it's, it's not even... Like, I... I like, do you uh, do you agree with my assessment there, Austin? Like, you're the executive. I'm a business guy. I think that's perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, cause Amber, like, what you do, like, I don't like if anyone like you do a completely different thing than I do. Like, it's just it's not even remotely. Like, and I've been saying this little mini rant here. I've been saying this for years. I mean, ultimately, like one of the one of my biggest pet peeves in the student works community is when, and this is on a student works thing. This is like a, you know, this is the franchisees thing is when they start calling themselves entrepreneurs. It's like, guys, you didn't create anything here. You're operating a business. You're, you know, you're a business person, but you're not a business. You're not, so you're not an entrepreneur. You didn't create any, like you didn't create any of this. You're just merely operating something. And even the term business owner is a little, you know, that's like someone like leasing, like that's like someone, uh, uh, who like operates an Airbnb, like su- like subleases an Airbnb, uh, saying that they're a landlord. It's like, yeah, you kind of are, but like you couldn't sell the uh, like like what I mean mm-hmm. by sublease is like someone who uh, leases out a condo downtown Toronto and then Airbnbs it, right? And then they they make the spread. It's called the Airbnb arbitrage, right? Amra, I think your friend does that. Yeah, my right? friend is like one that of the person- best in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So, I mean, technically you could call yourself a landlord, but like try and sell that condo. You can't like, so you, you, at least you're leasing the ownership of it. Right. You know, in student works does not even try to be this. So it's, it's it's not a criticism of them, but you don't have any equity in student works. Like you're never going to own a chunk of that business. So the, the best it's ever going to be is merely just a, a source of cash flow. but you, you can never go and sell your franchise to another individual. It's just, it's never, it's never going to happen. They would never give you the ownership of that. Right. So in that case, I wouldn't even call you a business owner. I would say that you're a business operator, right? A businessman, but you're definitely not a, you're definitely not a business owner and you're definitely not an entrepreneur if, you, if you're in the student works thing. Mm. Crazy. Couldn't Austin, agree. was there a moment in your decision-making process where you were like, this is it? Or was it just like a, an increasing so, feeling of, oh, this is feels better now, this feels better. Yeah, I think after I did the, after I got to go feet on the ground, and there's a reason, like I could have driven over across the river here and done a day in the life with one of the OG, like Rydell Ottawa, who's managed by the, the founders, Adel and Ryan, could have just done a day in the life with them. And I would have learned a lot, I'm sure, but I wanted to go do it with one of their first year franchisees. You know, I wanted to see how they were managing their business at a distance, like in Kingston, two hours away alone, you know, mm-hmm. and after mm-hmm. seeing how that franchisee, shout out to Ben. Ben Van uh, Ryn. Ben, yeah, doing a kick-ass job out in, out in Kingston. He, I must have asked the guy about 207 questions that day and, uh, and he was just so helpful and so, you know. So that day it became clear. It's like, well, this is possible. First of all, I knew Ben from Student Works, And yeah. I knew his style. I He's very open with his strengths and weaknesses. And we were friends when he was an operator. So I knew what kind of business he ran to a certain extent. Not that well, but I also knew kind of what he was good at. And seeing the way that he managed his business uh i i I would on that note say that our my strengths and weaknesses are well aligned with ben's strengths and weaknesses um seeing how he was running his business was obviously very eye-opening and there were certain periods of the day like my day now where 
you know, I'm running six crews in my own business and coaching eight people. And there's our times of the week where I am, oh my God, this couldn't be running better. Look, you know, this, I'm so excited to jump in and offer feedback and offer coaching and help this machine work well. And then there's times where like there's a breakdown and I'm needed immediately and I need to go attend to something. And it was kind of like all of that was experienced within a 10 hour day. And I got to see the good, the bad and the ugly and what I thought the ugly was going to be from what I was fearing in the beginning was maybe 10% of what it really was. And I just thought that, you know, I'm actually very risk avoidant, like, or I'm, um, what's the right risk averse. I'm, I'm, I'm somebody who's highly risk averse to the point where I'm almost risk seeking because like, I'm so risk averse, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I, once I had that day in the life with Ben and I had just had a, finished a meeting with with Adel and, and and Pat and I was just like you know I hopped on a zoom call with Pat a couple days later and we were talking about it I had one concern about the business model and it was addressed immediately by Pat and Adel saying we've already we've already sorry, when you say Pat sorry Pat who Pat Lalonde so he's he's uh how many businesses is this guy involved with? I know four I know. four yeah. businesses Student Works, Spivo, Trade Arc, and Rydell franchising. Dude, that guy is savvy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he I talked his way into ownership of four different businesses. <laughs> I had one concern uh, that I saw with Ben's model, like what Ben was experiencing. I brought it up to Pat and Adel. They set up a meeting with me and said, "Hey, like we already figured, we already realized that this was happening for our other franchisees. Here's what we're doing about it next year to prevent it from happening." And you could just see how serious they were about it and how much they actually want to take this to the next level. There was no justification. There was no, oh, here's why that's a thing. It's like, no, I already see the impacts. This is already impacting our operators. And I could just tell that any problem that may or may not arise for me in the future would be treated with that same level of attention and and appreciation. And, you know, at the end of the meeting, they were like, well, it was just Pat and I actually... And he was like, well, you know, is there, so like, you know, where are you at? Like, what do you think? And I was just, I took like 10 seconds and I, I just thought there's nothing else for me to know. Like, I, I know, like, I know I need to obviously be trained on, on everything that I need to know on how to run a roofing business. Technical, but at this technical. stage, yes, there's nothing else that I needed to know. And I was like, well, I think this is. It just felt, it just felt natural, and I just said, "Yeah, let, like let's do it." Mm. Wow! A and I do think, yeah, yeah, go finish, finish your. Well, story. I was just gonna say, John, like you said, you know, you're surprised that you're a hundred percent leaving painting or your business that you've developed, and I do agree with you that is a that is a big move. However, I, I kind of glossed over it briefly, like there is a very clear and important tie that I will have with whoever is taking over my business from a mentoring and also sales perspective. And there will be a, there will be a relationship there where I am give like there is going to be a substantial amount of work coming my way that I will be giving to this person for, you know, I guess you could say not for free. 
right? Yes, it better yeah. not be. Yeah. It's probably another company. If so, not that John, while I'm not, yeah, while I'm not managing my painting business anymore, um, there's still a very, at least for the next year, there is going to be a very, you know, important tie there. But yeah, Amber, are you gonna make a? Are you gonna make a post on the Chelsea groups about this? Hundred percent, man. Oh, it's getting announced. You got you yeah. got to share. You got to share the comments. I want to read the comments. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think for that's sure, gonna be awesome. Sure. Um, the guys at Rydell, if you're coming in here already from day zero, committed to growing their franchise, I mean. They still don't have Simon up and going, Simon 2.0, their CRM system. It's still not complete. It's um, they, they have these systems. They're young. They're hungry. And it's clear maybe from the executive that you know they're trying to take a more passive role. Would I be insane to suggest that you should have some ownership in the entire franchise? You would not be insane. Has that come up? Yes. And? Well, it's there as soon as I achieve that position, like as soon as I start becoming the director of franchising, yeah. Let's go. So they gave you like a percentage like ahead of time, like, hey man, I achieved this in three years, you're gonna get X amount. Of, uh, well, it's obviously, I, I don't know if I should be sharing this information, but yeah, it's, it's, there's equity. Good. Is yeah. there increasing equity, or is it one piece? No, of course. Yeah. Well, it's 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 proportional of growth. Yeah. Oh. No, no, no. That's not my my question. Is oh. percentage. So, like, the more that you contribute to the business, let's say hypothetically they're going to give you ten percent. Is yeah, that ten percent so ever going to go to twenty percent? I understand 25%? your question. Yeah. No. I I I think that at this stage, because the position is literally being created. Yes. Um, they, they, we can't actually put a number on a pa on a piece of paper because we haven't gotten to a point yet where there's enough franchisees to even actually know how that would actually, how that structure would work to pay somebody who's the director of franchising. So all that's been agreed to is that, um, it's an open-ended agreement that, that, that is the case and that it, it vested shares will be in play. Yeah. Man. This all makes sense. If I were you, and you, if you came to me with all this information before you made your decision, mm -hmm. I think it would have been an e a pretty easy decision. Yeah, now that you're talking equity as well. Well, that's honestly as soon as I was talking about that, I, I I love you guys and I value your opinion probably more than I value anyone else's opinion when it comes to this type of stuff. I I just knew I I needed to do it and I wanted to tell you uh, I wanted it to be a surprise. It was becoming a a very legitimate offer and I obviously. If it was strictly to be a franchisee, I would have definitely consulted you at, at length. But well, this, this is an easy decision. You, you can explain. Well, we're this. all big boys. I mean, we can all we yeah. all make our own decisions. No, I know, yes. but yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not apologizing for not talking to you. I'm just <laughs> saying that uh, you're right. It, it it is off brand for us though to make a decision like this without consulting at least one other person. I would say, right? Like, I don't think there is a brand. We're just kind of. I think we kind of loosely talk about, I mean, I don't think I've made any big changes without talking. I mean, the ProWorks was kind of, I don't know if I talked about yeah, that. Yeah, you did. You, call, you called me change. last year and then we also talked about, well, nonetheless, I mean, oh, it doesn't yeah, matter. Okay. Yeah. It really doesn't matter. But no, I'm excited for sure. And I think that, 
I think my biggest challenge is going to be If I were to guess right now what my biggest challenge is going to be next year, it's going to be... I can guess. Okay, I'm, I'm curious to know what you'd say after I guess. It's going to be the communication and management with the people that I'm choosing to hire or subcontract, for sure. It's going to be, the, it's going to be managing the... I believe it's going to be managing the gap between my my project management commitment to the client and then the people I'm also getting to produce the work, I think is, is going to be my challenge. Yeah. Cause it's just a different model than I'm used to. No, that's not even close. I don't think that's the, the challenge is going to be leaving one of the best business communities in the world to join one. That's kind of dormant with different leadership. And dude, that's going to, that's going to be the biggest challenge in my, yeah. I mean, I would second 100%. that. I think I think that I mean because I mean I'm I'm still enough of a part of the student work system that I yeah. suppose, but like I, I'm not nearly a part of it. Like any, I, I never really was. But yeah, with ProWorks there isn't really any culture at all. Like as nope. far like it's it's and 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 I haven't really found that very challenging at all to be honest. But I'm a pretty like I'm a kind of more of a recluse anyway. Yeah. So that's you know so but but I think the second you Ammer, I think your biggest challenge will be. Uh, new management i think we'll be interacting with with the new owners right you know with the owners of rydell and and that relationship because ultimately that's where the tension i think is going to be not many chris thompson's out there i'll tell you that much man yeah like yeah because i mean because you remember you're now because you're that's now what fires me up that's what like fires they're me your up. new leaders they're your new leaders right and so you know it, we'll, we'll see what you know the, you know the, based on the quality of their leadership will be the quality of your experience i think actually yeah. today is chris thompson's birthday yeah it is well, actually happy birthday chris thompson he's yeah. gonna listen to this a week later but we want to wish Sunday you a jump. very do you, listen, do you think he listens to every episode yeah he does i don't know i don't know if in the off chance he seems it, like he does. No, like, he does. Like, he texts. He does. He texts me a lot. Well, I, I oh, guess wow. I can't vouch for every episode. I would say the vast majority of them. Yeah. No, no. Either way, we love you, Chris. Thank you for changing our lives. Yeah. Probably no other way to say it. <laughs> yeah. Know, honestly. Yeah. We will help you notch those numbers of the one thousand millionaires you want to create in your lifetime. So yeah, Austin seriously. Yeah. Are, are, yeah. We'll try and get. We'll try and get point. 0.3% of that, right? <laughs> Actually, hold on. Can you can you do a lap? Can you so for every million does it count? No, 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 no there's no, no way. Or no else laps. he'd be there. I'm already. kidding. I'm kidding. He's already yeah. there. One of them is like worth 300 million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One of the alumni from StudentWorks East. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. By the way, StudentWorks crossed 25 million in sales also today. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So crazy. Austin, that should be your goal for Rydell. I want you to take Rydell from five million a year to twenty-five million a year, like Pat did with Sunworks. I'm trying to blow Pat that- out of the water here. Uh, yeah, no, for sure. I, 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 I look at. I mean, first of all, being a part of Student Works while they do their biggest year ever has been quite amazing. You know, twenty-five million dollars in a year is is nothing to nothing to joke about. And their biggest year Pretty before, insane. yeah, their biggest year before. Numbers. It was um, was eighteen. So, you know, beating your goal by about seven million dollars is uh, is is quite ridiculous. And and just being a part of the senior management team that accomplished that, 
uh, it's been it's been amazing. I, I wh- where could I have possibly learned more in the past? Just the past two years, like I've learned so yeah, much. We've in the all past been six. so fortunate. Yeah, so yeah, fortunate. yeah. I say this all the time. We're like the luckiest people on earth. We could have all three of us just been born in Bangladesh and just like have yeah. competing stands on the street, and that would have been it. Oh, that would suck because I would probably win. <laughs> Such a dick, bro. My nan is is out of this world. All right, so people my travel nan. around this the city to come to mine. All right. Yeah, we you talked about that recently. Coca- I tried yeah. to get the Coca Cola contract. Oh. <laughs> the one in fourteen trillion. Episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. That's the one of yeah, fourteen yeah. trillion. Well, you know, Austin, it seems like it's gonna be. I'm, I'm, you know, one, one of the things that I love about life is meeting people, learning about them, and just seeing where their life takes them. So true. You know, like, and, and just seeing each person as sort of like, you know, uh, just a character in their own novel, so to speak, and just kind of seeing Man, where they end up. And it's, it's really interesting it. when you look at look through that way like i've met a lot of people over the years and i just love like some people like you, you guys are individuals where i get like a you know we obviously do a weekly call so you know it's it's pretty live action that way uh but even some people where i only get to see them maybe once a year yeah you peek you in know, through that window few years you yeah see. you just get that one little glimpse of like oh so you did start that business and you did end up growing it wow like yeah. tell me about that right yeah yeah pretty cool it's gonna be really cool, like, five, you know, five years. You know, just pick some arbitrary number. I think the day I become a millionaire, I think I want to like re-listen to like the podcast. Yeah, yeah, so, uh, parts of it. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that I, I actually meant to ask you about this for all of us. When that does happen, like, what if one of us doesn't want to mention that they've hit a million? But it kind of feels like an obligation to the three of us. Privately, I think so. Yeah. Uh, it depends on, to be honest, I think I'm going to like, mm, the thing about becoming a millionaire is it depends on how you, how yeah, you, it's so uh, true. Okay. So let's, let's here's the it. thing. Well, hold on how I'm, but see, but here's the thing though, cause how I'm going to define a millionaire is intrinsic value, which is cause like, I, I like, I like if someone, if someone had a million dollars right now in Tesla stock, I wouldn't consider them a millionaire. I really wouldn't. Okay. If they sold it and they had cash, then fair enough. Oh, okay. I wouldn't consider you a millionaire if you had a million dollars in Tesla stock. Okay, so what are you counting as a millionaire? Like, how would you say, like, because we're going to have three episodes that will come out in the future. Like, uh, if you own, for, like, for example, if you own a stock, okay, and it's clearly overvalued, okay, I, I think it's disingenuine to, like, list your net worth as the top value. But I don't think any of us are going to do that, by the no, way. No, yeah, no, no, yeah. So, like, what, what are we actually... I don't know, I know, but I'm, all I'm saying is when I become a, like when I become like a like what most people would consider a millionaire, I, I won't I won't be calling you guys up saying I'm a millionaire. Like I I I don't know when you know, so it could be could be years and like could be like two million dollars in assets before I before I'm calling you. Well, that's what we're saying though is that like we should <laughs> so answer my question. A, yeah, that, <laughs> he's. I think he's. I think, I think he's I saying think no. Be, I think he's saying no. I think it's got to be. I think it's got to be a million dollars in cash. And I would say cash, real estate. Yeah. Well, I'm, no, sorry. I, I was, I was, I was like lingering. Asterisks. Um, yeah, a million dollars between cash. I think stocks. You could, you could, you know, if you have like stocks or anything like that, mutual funds. I think you could value those, you know, safely at like sixty to seventy percent of of, of their yeah, face yeah, yeah. value. Okay. I mean, if you could create a, I mean, if you really wanted to like create a stronger argument, like, dude, I bought this one company, you know, <laughs> but, but, um, and then real estate, I think you could value it like. 
90 percent probably yeah like, per, and, and still be pretty like pretty close to yeah 80 90 percent somewhere in there so if, if let's say hypothetically you have a down payment on a million dollar house of a quarter of a million dollars are you counting that sorry i should, at I a should quarter say of a million that, dollars um, n- nothing nothing uh real estate doesn't count personally though unless it's a rental property like my condo does not count in my net worth Okay, so so let's say yeah. you're you're in with Matt Andrews at a deal. It's a million dollar property. You have two hundred fifty thousand in it. Are you counting that as two hundred fifty thousand? Oh yeah, like like for example, like on my net worth chart, for example, like when I like when I do like a shareholder loan to Matt, I list that at face value. Okay, so if you're loaning fifty thousand, its face value is fifty thousand. Yeah, because well, yeah, because well, and, and I don't think that's I don't think that's inaccurate because. It's 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 a promissory note that's it worth is. fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. Now, like so, for example, um, Austin, you would have just gotten your your update on the sixplex as well, right? That we that we invested in. Yeah. Could not be going any more fantastic. Dude, it's insane. Like it's, it's insane. It's insane. Yeah, it's insane. So <laughs> I think like like so on paper that that investment is now, you know, like I think that there's like the profit on that deal so far like in increased value i think is somewhere around like for me i think it's twenty thousand dollars but i have it listed on my net worth as twelve thousand like i've listed it way less than than what i I, what i think it's going to be that's like what it's actually like that's like like 60 percent though so why is that well but it's also because it's it's early on like it's oh i see like so but let's say you realize that profit at twenty thousand, then you count it at twenty thousand. yeah if it's in cash but then but then you have to pay your taxes though too that's why i'm also you know Okay, I see. I see. I think that's a pretty fair way to measure this. I like just. It. I think there's a lot of people like right now, like like on the internet that are you know, look when they call themselves millionaires. I'm always like, how you how you you know, because uh, Charlie Munger actually has a really interesting, because uh, a really interesting thing perspective on net worth, and he talks a lot about balance sheets. Okay, mm-hmm. for companies, and his I love this quote. He says, "When you go to grab at your net worth and it disappears like smoke." That's not net worth. <laughs> oh, true. And companies have balance sheets like that. So, like, I was looking at a company today, for example. Uh, they, um, they're interesting. So, it's called Sally Beauty uh, Salon. So they 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 manufacture like sort of. Have you guys heard of Sally at all? It's it's got a more of a more of a brand in the states, but you know, they manufacture like beauty salon components like you know hair clippers and things like that and like you know trimmers and like you know just sure you know different kind of if you go to a salon any of the products you see on the wall a lot of that's sally okay sure. now on their on their on their uh net worth or sorry on their balance sheet they have inventory listed which is very standard for a lot of businesses right but their current assets which is for the most part assets that you know can be liquidatable you know cash things like that basically their bank account okay uh, most of their their current assets was all inventory, and then they had quite a bit of uh, current liabilities. So these are debts that are owed within the next twelve months. Okay, now at face value, yeah, I'm just making. Mm. I, I don't remember the numbers, but at face value, their current assets was like one billion. I think like five hundred million. Yeah, like five hundred million dollars. Okay, and their current liabilities was like three hundred million. So that's good because that means that they have enough you know, technically cash on hand, you know, loosely, okay, liquidity assets to pay off their current liabilities. So they're like, they're positive, right? But almost all of their current assets were in this inventory, which if they had to liquidate it, they're not going to get face value for it, right? Uh-huh. So, so the, it, 
that's how I feel like a lot of people do their net worth is that they'll they'll list things in the most favorable way possible and it's just I think it's disingenuine got it hmm. I'm very passionate as you can tell about about false net worth yeah <laughs> I think what's equally as important as hitting a million is also going broke like if one of us just goes what's, broke what's your broke what's your broke ability or what's your uh, uh, blow up factor uh, is when you reach and you have smoke that's that's like, no the the no the blow up factor what i meant was like uh like like your tesla stock to me that's like very high blow up factor oh. whereas if you had like walmart stock i'd say it's like low blow up factor like mm. you know got it like which business do you really think is closer to their intrinsic value right you know x, x business or y business right so that yeah. that's what i mean by blow up factor whereas like like for example amr if you had if you had um your like you know your trade arc business listed at five hundred thousand dollars on your net worth chart there, no one i mean who's to stop you from valuing it at that amount right mm-hmm. yeah just self-deceit that's all it is oh um crazy stuff <clears throat> i think I, it's the reason we're talking high level is because austin you made a pretty big life move yeah and it's like changing the trajectory of your life yeah so. i'm uh I think it's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited. For good or worse, we don't know. We'll find out. We will. We I will. say good. Well, we'll find out. I mean, it'll be really interesting to talk to me. Like I'm a, you know, I'm going to be doing something completely new and groovy next year. You know, I'm going to be coming to these calls on Sunday nights with a ton of questions for you guys. You know, uh, going to ask for a ton of help, ton of feedback, ton of bounce a bunch of ideas off you. I'm actually going to be using you guys as though we were using each other when we had our weekly calls before we started this podcast. Mm. You know, remember those days? Hey, what are you doing? Hey, what are you doing? I've tried that. You know, like we're actually like, cool. Well, just so you know, Austin, I work with a couple of roofing companies that I've helped take from like 10,000 a month to like 50,000 a month. So I am more than happy to assist in oh, whichever way Yeah, you already told me about that. I'm definitely getting, uh, definitely getting the trade arc service. That's for sure, for myself or people that I. Uh, we were talking about that for people that I hire, right? Yeah, if you hire a sales manager, I got him. I'll yeah, coach him for you. I got him. I got him. Yeah. You need a new manager that needs yeah. training. I got him. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> you know um, that HVAC guy that you're training, John? If you want, I got him. <laughs> You know, I actually, Honestly, uh, I think that I would heavily consider it. I mean, I was talking about it with Tristan. Um, not only will I coach him, yeah. but so will Patrick twice a week. Just think about it. Just think about I it. I think the only issue that I have is that the the uh, business already has like a full time. I know. I like, know. Yeah. yeah. And it's, so, it's, and, it's and a, within a franchise. That, That's the problem. Yeah. Yeah. If it wasn't a franchise. But um, I do think that uh, I was talking about it with Tristan uh, that. Uh, for the operator themselves, they would they would have this call with the coaching. But a lot of the like, one of the interesting things about the HVAC uh, business model is that it's 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 I, I related it's very similar to an oil change business model yes. where you go in and and you know you, you, when you go to the oil change thing it's like twenty nine ninety five or you know whatever price okay you you see okay but then you drive in and then the whole time you're there they're upselling you right and mm-hmm. not because they're like some people have like you know like a really negative opinions about upsell but ultimately what it is is that they're letting you know about things that you should probably get done in your vehicle and that's a part of their business model is that they're going to make you aware of those to try and increase 
the bill within the same, you know, because every, no matter what happens, basically they're there, you're in that, that oil change for 30 minutes and they just want to maximize that revenue, right? Yes. They don't make a lot of money if it's 30 bucks an hour, right? Or half an hour. Um, very similar business model with the HVAC. So interesting enough, there's actually a massive opportunity for training uh, these technicians to be better salespeople. And I was even talking about it, you know, because I was I was talking about it with Tristan about, you know, even doing like the Grant Cardone training. But I had done that and I was like, man, it wasn't that great. And so I was even talking about actually hiring you to like actually train these technicians just in sales, like and just have like a, you know, a weekly coaching call with these technicians to actually try and get them to have better upsells. Because it's, 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 I mean, it would be night and day difference, right? Yeah. Would they get a commission? Yeah, no, yeah, the technicians get um, sort of a profit sharing. It's 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 very similar to piece rate, but it's it's kind of like almost, but it's more like a commission. Great, um, I think it's a and, great model. And, and, yeah, there's actually um, one of the one of the, one of the ways that Tristan's actually grown their revenue dramatically is they sell air purifiers now. So it's actually now a product. It's like twelve hundred dollars, and he has some like I think they're selling like ten of them a month. Oh, wow. Cool, man. Yeah. I mean, if it makes sense, it makes sense. Happy to help. If it doesn't, no problem. Do it. But what's best for your business? I'm open to a conversation. Um, there was, I, I somehow got logged out of our Gmail account and uh, our weekly call Gmail account. And uh, we have a Gmail account. Yeah. The weekly call pod at gmail.com, baby. Oh, um, cool. There's two emails here that I just wanted to uh, to bring to light. One of them is. I think a really nice message that I want you guys to hear. And then the second one is uh, kind of a cool surprise here. So um, this was so, I mean, I feel like such an idiot. This email was on February 25th. Okay. So (laughs) just keep in mind how long ago. Five months. And it was, it was marked as unread like this poor guy. I'll give out his name at the end if we think it's appropriate, but. Um, Let's hear it. Dear Ammer, Austin, and John, in December, my DM told me to have a listen to one of your podcast episodes. Since then, nearly every day that I have played you guys in my car on the way to school and work and up and down Vancouver Island on the way to my area, it's been hard to express the impact that you guys have had on me. Thank you. Recently, I've been... I found that people in general are more satisfied with mediocre work ethic, attitude, and performance in general. Your podcast is one of the few parts of my life where I can go to hear people talk about being accept, about being a, about being and accepting nothing less than excellence in themselves and each other. It is relieving to hear people talk about working hard regardless of praise or immediate gratification. Though I haven't had the opportunity to meet any of you, it feels as though there are people like me out there who have differing opinions and aren't afraid to be wrong and strive for excellence. I think by far at most I think by far the most impactful episodes are those where the three of you disagree about something or discuss fear of failure i.e. Amr's struggle to start his business and how for a time that impacted his confidence Austin's with time management and John with his ego and his struggle to trust himself to be in integrity I have to still I have to still struggle or sorry I have and still do struggle with lying and hearing about your various struggles really does help 
While I realize your conversations are your conversations and I have no right to guide them, I would love to hear you guys discuss lessons that you've learned and about your failures more. In recent episodes, you guys have talked more about, you guys have talked less about personal stuff. Maybe that's because you're all experiencing success, but I'd love to hear you guys help each other through shortcomings, struggles, and failures more often. Keep it going. I appreciate you. Mm. So, wow. Yeah, pretty cool. Beautiful. Yeah. This was in February, right? So the past yeah. five months, we've yeah, shared yeah. a lot of struggle. Man, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to, uh, to Spencer. Thank you for that email, Spencer. Spencer. Wow, man. And then, Very uh, nice. Yeah. The fact it's that you panic, listen, right? the fact that you listen, the fact that you liked it, but then the fact that you sat down on a chair and wrote the email and sent it just really speaks volumes to, I, 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 I just really feel your gratitude and I'm grateful for your gratitude. Yeah. That's so. incredible. And then secondly, we have a second weekly wrap. Uh, Jeremy, our guy. Oh, no way. Made a new, he said, good afternoon, boys. I felt Tomoki's rap was getting lonely out there in the weekly call Ether, and I wanted to join the fun. So he wrote this new and improved rap that I think we should just play because it's, I read the lyrics. (laughs) It's it's pretty fire. So, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, we're going to go ahead and play this for you. Oh, hold on. Oh, my God. <laughs> okay, let's just uh, get this under control here. So, so I'm going to screen like, share. What is this? This is yeah, so yeah. cool. So I'm going to screen share this, see what you guys think. Thanks for doing what you do, by the way. This is uh, quite the podcast. <laughs> wow. Everyone listening right now knows that, so... Oh, this is uh, one of... Um, this beat was supplied by J.G. Melody. Jonah. J.G. Uh, Melody! And rapping. Let's go! That would be me. Pasana. The weekly call, yeah, the weekly call. Played on repeat, I'm having a weekly ball in a multidimensional conversational free-for-all that's exactly what I need to be enthralled. Racing to Spotify on Monday morning. Eyes have just opened, I'm already zoned in. Barely awake, but I press play on the phone. And from Chelsea, Quebec, over Tokes and Cologne. That's where John and Amor and Austin are located. They zoom on the weekly dialed and high-rated. Thoughts flow fast like axons myelinated. The cadence oh. a mile a minute, defiant admittedly. Rising and climbing unlimited. Austin not only surviving his thesis and coaching his rookies, but thriving and leading the way. Looks like a nearly a half of a million bucks. Amor, hear me when I say that your record is shit out of Lock. Hey, you're brilliant, but you moved on and thought that it was silly. Now you're making a killing. Did it over emotion, unfettered focus. You know it's the only thing that you are worried about. Let's go, business owner. You're tearing it up in Toronto. A stand-up comedian. See if you wanna revering McDonald's. Like he is a Norman. You are a superior being and faith and inform. Superior being and faith and inform. What can I say? Reading away as if life was a game. Big man in BC, my main contact, staying out of the CC. Your brain's not whack. Want to extract your neurons, grow another brain in a petri dish. Out facts like an almanac is on repeat. A hundred history books tucked back neatly into your memory banks get the weekly call yeah the weekly call played on repeat i'm having myself a weekly ball can't see them but what i'm hearing is off the wall three tight dude at least six feet tall yeah the weekly call yeah the weekly call the weekly call yeah the weekly call how often does it happen is it every every three days no it's uh, i think it's once a week yeah unreal eh jeremy let's go just a quick dusting of uh Good stuff, man. That was uh, that was almost too good to appreciate the lyrics in here. Like the so thought there, that went so into this. There are some inside jokes in there that only I would understand, and the fact that he included them is such a huge, like I just I really appreciate. It, so yeah, play Between it on me and repeat. Jeremy. I'm having a weekly ball. Like 
Let's go. That was insane. I would have never thought of that. Obitokes. Come on, man. Really? Yeah, I didn't exactly. like that part. I didn't yeah. like that part. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Toronto, Toronto, Ontario, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The greatest city in Canada. Toronto. Toronto. What is uh, my main contact staying out the CC? What does that mean? Big man in, in BC, my main contact staying out the CC. I think it means like you're not getting CC'd, you're getting like the actual email. You know what I mean? Like it's direct. I don't know. My main mm. contact staying out the CC. Did you ever talk about how you didn't like getting CC'd in emails or something, John? No, no, he didn't. Well, him and I email back and forth. True. Oh, there you course, go. Well, no, I don't know. If oh, yeah, it's his Jeremy main contact. I, like, he's saying that yeah, you're Yeah, Jeremy and I are contact. working on a rap yeah, album yeah, yeah, together yeah. with yeah. Jonah, who created that beat, actually. No yeah. way. That's the, that's, the Mac, that's the Mac Miller. That's actually the one I'm, that I'm writing to right now. That's yeah. amazing. Which is interesting. Yeah. Jonah is in my mastermind that, that he used to be in Student Works, and um, a good friend of mine as well. Very talented, as you can hear. Yeah, I like, yeah, his beats are great. Yeah, and he's also really good with feedback. So if you don't like stuff, he doesn't take it personally. He just puts his head down and makes it better, you know? So very high character. I'm really excited what you guys are creating. So It's going to be interesting, that's for sure. So cool. Um, yeah. His producer tag, by the way, is is, is me yelling his, uh, his his rap name. So if you ever hear his producer tag, it's me <laughs> yelling, it, yelling his name in the street. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. Oh, that's so cool. Um, All right, boys. I say we keep doing what we're doing. Yeah. I say we keep uh, being consistent. And um, so, Austin, when's your last day with Student Works? Uh, probably December first, December tenth. Like I'll be producing up until then. So yeah, it was like wow. we're we're in the second half of the year. Like I'm not going anywhere here. Like it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're, we still got half. The well, year that's left. one of the interesting things about sort of trying to, you know, grow is that you have to skin the fat sometimes austin you i'm sure you know but you have to kind of keep your noise level down because i I find it's very like easy to start thinking about something that's not like you don't need to focus your attention on it now like it's actually like so at a very high level there's now abcs that you have to prioritize Mm -hmm. and and sometimes the things that you like are most exciting are just not are just not in fact the the thing you need to be focusing on right now well it's data over emotion well, yeah, and it, it, it's also just the fact that it doesn't matter how excited I am about Rydell or not. I mean, I still have Amher's record to break and eight people to coach, you know? Like, I, I, I still got Job gotta, ain't done. Oh, it's not even halfway. We're not even halfway there. Like, we're talking, you know, one of the great things is that we're planned so far in advance, which means that we still have to remain focused. And, and there's so much left to do, it's not even funny. Um. So I'm still really, really obsessed with with having a very strong finish to 2021, and there's there's zero chance that I'm going out without a without a record breaking finish here. So now that I know that I've committed to Rydell Ammer, there is uh, there's there's no more record for you, unfortunately. It's just not happening. So yeah, <laughs> I like that man. <laughs> records are meant to be for, broken for, for those for those that look at regional records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I'm not catching yeah. you, John. <clears throat> that's for sure yeah no john you're just in another world like yeah. i don't even it's just like what do you what, what are your sales yeah, at um 
there's a female actually out 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 west here who's who's crushing it. She's at uh, I think she's at four fifty right now. Whoa, that's crazy. That's Let's get nice. her on. I could probably learn a thing or two from her. She yeah, she's a badass. She's been with the company for I think five years now, four four, four or five years. Wow. Um, Sienna Bruce, she's clutch. Sienna. Good volleyball player. Ice cold. Yeah, she's great. Moose Jaw. Was that? That's that's where, where she's she from. Her business. They oh. actually have this uh, the world's second largest moose. Oh. Uh, like statue. Great. There you go. <laughs> that's about yeah. all. That's about all there is. Is there? Here it is. They had the largest, but then this city in Norway built this the most ridiculous, massive moose that has the gi- most giant balls. Like it's so crazy. Yeah, that's kind of ridiculous. I'm. I'm. <laughs> John, what's what are your sales at? Eight seventy six. And you produced five hundred k already, right? Yeah, oh yeah, way more. Way oh more my now. god. You're playing catch up with yourself at 876. That's insane. No. No, no, no. you're not. No, dude. No. Dude. Okay, like the one the one thing about like doing big numbers like this is that it's very hard to kind of <laughs> like about to say that. Cuz like when people are like, "Oh, you're going to run out of work." I'm like, "Well, maybe." Like we <laughs> like 300 $300,000 in work. Like that's like what most people do in a summer. It's like we're not like you know, we're Literally not most people. There's like been five people who've done. No, but I'm thinking like John, you could have that produced by end of uh, what, like first week of September. Oh no, way before that. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 way before. That's that. what I'm no, saying. No, I'll run out of work by like mid. I mean, I'm not gonna run out of work. I mean, that's we're what still I'm trying to say. Work, but yeah. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Sorry, I, I was thinking like you know, I'll 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 probably be at about produced. I'll probably be at like. By end of August, I'm hoping to be at like 940, 950 okay, or sure, so. Yeah. Like maybe nine. That's with deposits though. So like actual production around like 900 True. You know, by the end of August. Yeah. Very nice. This payroll, uh, which, you know, fingers crossed because we're going to run it at the end of this week, but it's looking pretty solid. Like there's not a lot, you know, there's not a lot of moving parts on this one. Should be about $95,000. Oh, that's insane. In two weeks. In two weeks. Yeah. No deposits. I uh, know there's deposits on that. Actually, that's a, that's fine. That's what we do here. We also do. We also yeah, include yeah, deposits. Well, I haven't I, I haven't booked that much work like like in the last two weeks. So maybe like there's maybe like four or five grand in deposits. Then. Yeah, yeah. Wow. 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 That's insane, dude. Just the um, yeah. This um, I've got the word for it. But by the way, just the the reason why I really really want to like pull this one off like i'm hyper motivated this week to get that done is because in my first year i produced ninety two thousand. that's insane yeah economies of scale that's the word i was looking for economies it's a lot more expensive doing it my way (laughs) yeah it's very expensive all right well um it was awesome breaking the news to you guys and i'm excited to uh to talk more with you about it and Mm. uh john give us some uh epictetus we're not doing we're not doing whack versus wise anymore. We just listen to the rap. Are you? I mean, I got a I got a whack song if you want. No, dude, we got. Hold on, I feel like you guys have been like trying to jip me out here on my whack versus wise. What are you talking? We just listened to a rap uh, song with Jeremy. Low key, I almost feel like you guys had like some backdoor meeting here where you're like, hey, yo, like, yeah, that's it, John. Relax, relax, John relax. That's that's how I feel that's right it. now. Yeah. Wow, what us. are you talking he about? I look forward to whack versus wise. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. Yeah. I'll find the song. Let me go pull up a, a quote from. By the way, you could any of these quotes that I'm going to be reading from now on, you could be receiving on a daily basis. Yes. And Let's go sign up, people. If you People want to be up. on the, the list, you have to buy merch from our store to be a part of. No, no you don't. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, you don't. Okay. By the way, um, but I should also do like a little bit, a bit of a. I mean, this is gonna come out in a couple of weeks. So, but anyone that um that has emailed me saying you want to get up on the list, just know that I'm only doing it weekly because I'm getting so many requests. Well, so many requests. I'm getting enough requests that I don't want to sit down and add each in- person individually. So I'm just allocating 15 minutes every week, every Sunday, to do it. So if you're listening to this and you've emailed me and you're not on the list yet receiving emails um it's just because it you, you might have emailed me like midweek or something like that cool i have a rap song for us uh 25 million views on just youtube so overall probably we're looking at 50 million jesus uh, this is from the the guts of chicago rap um uh, we got g Herbo and Little Bibby. All right, so without further ado. DJ Two, let's get it. Time to let these niggas know what it is in the street. Hey, baby, let's kill shit, bro. What you wanna do? It's whatever, man. You go ahead, rip that shit. I'ma come around, clean that shit up. Let's get it. Know a couple niggas that's down the ride for a homicide when it's drama time. Run up on a nigga with the llamas flying, leave his loved ones all traumatized. 150, I'm really with it. I drop his ass and then forget it. I'm a man round my side of town. Might see a bitch and forget I hit it. Love baby on the track with me. One mistake and he clap 50. When I hit the scene, hoes go insane. Cause they know a nigga got them racks with me. No Velcro, but the strap with me. Let a nigga wanna act silly. I'ma let it off and then leave him now. Ride off and don't even care, bitch. I cash out till I pass out. Got a couple trues, I don't even well. In the game, bitch, I do my thing. Hold, scream my name, I ain't even there. Love her, boy, I do this. Leave a bitch wetter than a pool pit. And I make bands like I make friends. Bought some Ray Bands or some cool shit. But. Boom. Okay, John. Okay. Okay, that's pretty good. Okay, little Bibby, no limit. Yeah, I'm all about that sack, bitch. My young N-words, they clap shit. Let the Mac split. We whack shit. Wheezy in that cut. With that Nina, that's that's that back blit or black bitch. Rico want to get him. I'm like, cause man, I got this. Shooting shit, hidden shit. Four or five extended clip. Y'all be on the snitching shit and y'all know what snitches get. No limit shit. We wit the shits. I'm focused on getting rich. MLB, forget a bitch, right after I hit the bitch. Like, point me to the kitchen, bitch. I'd be water whipping shit. Whip it, Jeff Gordon, whip it. Hit with the fork, straight drop, no shorts. Shooters and off the court. Shoot an N-word off his porch. Turn an N-word to a corpse. Yeah, I'm about that. Rolling up that loud pack. Catch me lacking, I doubt that. Because I never leave without that. And... That's real shit. Get real hitters. They kill shit. Holy smokes. I've never said shit so many times in my life. <laughs> it's so crazy. Holy smokes. Yeah. And I just kind of, Holy smokes. Yeah, oh. Just, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was so crazy how many times I had to say that. Yeah. They're both dead. The rappers got shot. Yeah. I'm not surprised. Okay. Um, 
I think G Herb was alive, two, but little I'm baby. Read two little quotes here Rest in peace. that I like. These are both from uh, Epictetus's uh, Discourses and Selected Writings by Robert Dobbin. Um, Agrippininus, that's like the most ridiculous name ever, uh, used to say, I don't add to my troubles. To illustrate, someone once said to him, you are being tried in the Senate. Good luck. But it was 11 in the morning, and at that hour, he was in the habit of taking his bath and exercise. Let us, off, let us be off to exercise then. When, when he was done, word came that he had been condemned. To exile or to death, he asked. Exile. And my estate? What about that? It has not been confiscated. Well then, let's go to my villa in uh, Ariaca and let's lunch there. This shows what is possible when we practice what is necessary and make our desire and aversion safe against any setback or adversity. I have to die. If it is now, well then I will die now. If later, then I will take my lunch. Since the hour for lunch has arrived, and dying, I will tend to later. How? As someone who knows that they have to return to what belongs to... How? As someone who knows that they have to return what belongs to somebody else. Okay, so beautiful quote, and I have some criticism for it. It seems to me that this quote can be easily misinterpreted as, oh, whatever, like whatever happens, happens. Because he's saying he came from dirt, he's going to return to dirt. What's the point? I don't understand why he can't just skip lunch and exercise and show up to the Senate to not get exiled. Like, I don't get that logic. That makes no sense to me. You're called to the, in front of the judge. Why not just show up and do your time? Or, like, just show up and defend yourself instead of just going to exercise and having lunch? Makes no sense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, any like um, having some level of understanding of what it would like, what it was like to be tried in the Senate would would certainly help someone when reading this quote. Okay. And just realizing how corrupt and how ridiculous that is. To oh, go there. yeah. 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 Like it was it, futile. It's not a it's it's I mean, yeah, if, if you read the death and trial of Socrates, that's all you need to read to know how ridiculous. I mean, if anyone had a chance to talking themselves out of death, it was it was Socrates and he was not able to. So, no, I mean, it was a pre it was a, it's a forlong conclusion. Like the Senate's already decided what's going to happen before you show up. OK. Oh, yeah, yeah. OK. So but where 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 this guy is going is that he's 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 basically saying that, look, you can you can try me. You can you can use all your corruption. You can exile me. You can put me to death, whatever it is. But it's not going to affect my equanimity. You can't actually yeah. harm me. Only I can do that. OK. And these are obstacles that are arising in his life. And they mean nothing because he realizes that, I mean, ultimately, what, what, what what's the worst you can do to me? Kill me? That I'm not afraid of death. Right. Wow. Okay. You're going to exile me? fine do i still have my my goods i do okay well then great we'll go to the like because he's like oh i'm exiled okay sweet well do i still have my mansions they're like yep okay well sweet let's go to one of those mm-hmm. right like it like he's just flowing like the opt the impediment to action advances action and that's the greatest example of a story of that okay dude that context for the senate is so so important because it felt to me like uh he, he was ignorant. why not go argue basically why not change your fate you know, why not stand there and shit? But it sounds to me like his fate was already sealed, whether he showed up or not. He was also trying to keep his equanimity as well. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, here's another quote that I that I really liked as well. This one's fantastic. You think of yourself as no more than a single thread in the robe, whose duty it is to conform to the mass of people, just as a single white thread seemingly has no wish to clash with the remainder of the garment. 
But I aspire to be the purple stripe, that is, the garment's brilliant hem. However small a part it may be, it can still manage to make the garment as a whole attractive. Don't tell me then, be like the rest, because in that case, I cannot hope to be the purple stripe. Oh, very nice. It's a nice one, right? Titus, man. Um, I, I wanted to ask you about the previous quote, and here's a question. At what point yeah. is it worth sacrificing equanimity? I mean, everyone's going to have different arguments. My grandmother um, is really an interesting person to look into this because she's been very successful in business, but not at the cost of her equanimity. And and my grandmother could have made, like, quite literally, probably tens of millions of dollars more in her lifetime if she was more focused on business. I mean, Mm. she's made millions and millions with... It it just... she, She would... When she makes business decisions, it's not based on what's going to make me the most money. It's it's on how do I preserve my equanimity, yeah. right? Beautiful. Yeah. And it's interesting when you look at people who who do manage to keep their equanimity, right? Despite all of that. I would I would say I that's something that I feel like I struggle with is managing my own equanimity. Me too. Hmm. Yeah. Definitely, but but usually, usually where I am able to keep my equanimity almost always, it's usually me dropping some sort of premise that's just just it's just, it's just not. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, yeah, like like for example, like if I'm gonna, like, here's an example um, this weekend. Okay, so there was a job that had a lot of different moving parts on it and jocelyn is out of town for the weekend so i kind of had to step in and like solve this like i said to jocelyn like you step out of town and like the, the you know like level 10 boss showed up you know <laughs> like level 10 boss complained you know and i hadn't really dealt with a client complaint in quite a while so i was kind of like a little rusty level and then 10 I had to deal with like this boss like, complaint dude i had to deal with like medusa here it was crazy right and <laughs> and uh i had to like like it was, it was at the point where like Friday night I had to go see this client Saturday morning, and it was, it was like you know I was like I couldn't sleep. I like went up, I went, went and sat in my thinking chair, on my deck, and, and I just remember like thinking to myself, you know, it's like, you know, this is, uh, this is a test. Hundred like, percent. This is what you, this is what you, you train for, right? What's the point of reading all these books? What's the point of you know studying stoicism? What's the point of all of this? what's the point of life if you're not going to have these challenges that are going to test you and really, you know, this is, this is an an amazing opportunity for you to demonstrate your abilities, make the most of this opportunity. Right. And a lot of the suffering that I was having was also just tied behind, you know, it's at one point in time, it seemed like this was either going to cost me several thousand dollars or it was just going to be neutral. Right. And it's like, so hold on. Worst case scenario, you're probably going to lose like five or six grand here, right? Have you ever lost five or six grand before? And I did. I actually had a client like, you know, many years ago where I had to pay $6,000 uh, to the lady. And I was like, okay, well, you know, what takeaway did you have from that? My, well, my takeaway was that, you know, it was inevitable that was going to happen. So why why fight it? Just accept mm-hmm. it and, and and keep your equanimity. So I'm like, okay, fine. If that's the outcome, then I'm, I'm okay with that. Okay, what's what can you control? Okay, well, I can control how I arrive tomorrow. I can control how prepared I am. I can control, you know, somewhat, I can influence the conversation, right? I'm not going to come confrontational. I'm going to try and agree with her and establish rapport and then try and, you know, 
come up with a solution that I think is fair for both of us, but try and pivot the conversation in a way that she feels heard. I'm not going to try and be defensive when I arrive, right? Sure enough, I executed exactly what I wanted to. I thought through a plan. I executed on it perfectly. I got full payment. No, you know, and it was an optimal outcome. But I was fully prepared to walk to go in and walk away from that 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 conversation with less, you know, six thousand dollars less in my pocket, right? And that was a great example of of keeping my equanimity in business, Beautiful. right? That that recently, but it doesn't always go that way. Mm. Right. Sometimes, you know, you just get assaulted from like, and, and there was a lot of suffering prior to that me sitting down and thinking, I mean, hence why I couldn't sleep. Right. Yeah. Great share, man. Yeah. Last night I got a message from somebody that joined our program like a couple of days ago who's getting buyer's remorse and was thinking of backing out. So I'm like, oh man, like, you know, I was like toss and turn it. Same thing. Put together a plan, showed up the next day, you know, was okay if he, if I hit that refund button. And I was okay if he stayed on board, laid it out for him, asked him what he wanted to do. And he said, man, I want to work with you guys for at least a couple of years. So it was like, ended up going well because I was indifferent and I was making sure he felt heard. And I just laid it out there that, you know, this is what's the best decision for you. And it just kind of made sense from that perspective. But I also had trouble sleeping and it's like, um, I experienced the same thing you experienced, but I was able to kind of recover by not getting so caught up in the details because I was yeah. getting caught up in, in that sale in that week. But if I zoom out, it's like, oh, well, actually, this is this is part of the game. I've never had a refund. So I always love uh, Ryan Holiday. You know, he, you know, he, he, he like in, in this is a stoic exercise, but it's to ask yourself, you know, how uncommon is this really? Yeah. Right. Like, so like, let's say like you're, you know, you encounter a business situation where you might lose a bit of money. It's like, that happens. What do you mean? Like no one's ever lost money in business. Like you're not the first fucking guy. <laughs> so true. Yeah, you consider it's like a novelty so event fuck? for you. Yeah. Like, and, and, and my, one of my favorite uh, quotes that I've been kind of reiterating myself now is it's like, like how arrogant it is of you to think that you're going to be a part of all of the perfections of the world, but none of its imperfections. Yeah. Yeah. Like what that's a, so what true. an arrogant thing to think about. Right. <laughs> Um, I actually have a quote here I want to read that's on the same line that I think that you would really like, uh, both of you guys would really like. If we are endowed by nature with the potential for greatness, why do only some of us, some of us achieve it? Well, do all horses become stallions? Are all dogs greyhounds? Even if I lack the talent, I will not abandon the effort on that account. Epictetus will not be better than Socrates. But if I am no better or worse... But if I am no worse, I am satisfied. I mean, I will never be Milo either, nevertheless. I don't neglect my body. Nilo, Milo, by the way, was a, like the most elite Olympic athlete at the time. Mm. I mean, I will never be Milo either. Nevertheless, I don't neglect my body. right? So in, in other words, I'll never be LeBron James. Nevertheless, I still play basketball. Nor will I be Corsius. And still, I don't neglect my property. Sorcius was one of the wealthiest real estate investors at the time. In short, we do not abandon any discipline for despair of ever being the best in it. And I find that a lot of the times when I'm suffering, it's because I'm comparing myself or I'm holding myself to a standard that is so arbitrary, it's ridiculous. Like, does it actually make a difference if I make, you know, X plus one this year versus X plus point nine? <laughs> like, you know, like, am I like, am I going to be like, like, am I like, if anyone like put it this way, like the other, like I was I was suffering the other day because um, 
I thought oh, I could have made I like I, I you know I, I could have made this much more this year, right? I'm like, am I really gonna allow myself to suffer because I'm gonna make like fifty thousand dollars less than than what it was potent like what was possible? It's like, dude, like you were at no risk of having your basic needs met at all. Like like it's like you're so far past that is ridiculous. Like like the threshold for me to actually meet my bare necessities is like we passed that like like in January. <laughs> yeah, like what do we Yeah, like quite literally like like first week of February, we're already past that threshold of like okay, you you've you've covered your fixed expenses for the year. Like so what do we like why are you suffering? You're suffering because of your perceptions of things. You're you're suffering because it's it's your perception that you're inadequate, right? It's your perceptions that that you're not performing to your best ability, right? And that may be the case, but you don't need to suffer for it. It's like if you're gonna under if you're gonna underperform, do you have to suffer while doing it? Like you could just you could underperform, acknowledge it, and improve. Like why are you underperforming? You know, f- resisting it and then beating yourself up over it. It's like that's certainly not going to help you improve your your performance, right? This is me talking to myself, of mm-hmm. course. Yeah. Epictetus, everybody. What's the name of the book? It's um, well. It's so. What it is is actually is it's, it's called uh, uh, Epictetus is um, a disc, uh, discourses and selected writings. And you'll notice that a lot of it is a conversational style, and that's because Epictetus, uh, as far as we know, uh, I don't think there is anything, but no writings. Okay, so mm, it's uh, all hearsay. A, a lot of it. It's all yeah. It's it's. I think he had a student who had written some stuff down. Um, Got it. No, that's not true. That's not true. I'm confusing it with another person. Very little, because uh, of course Epictetus wrote the Enchiridion. So we actually we have quite a bit of writings from from Epictetus, but most of of the book is actually uh, conversations that his students wrote down. So like imagine like someone wrote down like as in there's no audio of this conversation. So imagine we had like an audience and someone wrote down the conversation. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The original the original podcast. <laughs> wow. Just transcribers, yeah. That's amazing. Um there's a really epic uh, uh scene in in Epictetus's life where and he because he was a cripple because he, he so first of all Epictetus was a slave originally. And uh he became a cripple because his master um had uh i guess he would epictetus was sort of like a uh i guess he'd given some lip or something like that so he was gonna get punished and so the the they started they uh pinned epictetus down on a table okay and they started twisting his leg oh okay, like a corkscrew okay and the master said at any moment you can just you know you can basically just um like submit to me he's like oh no it's all good you can hurt my leg but you can't hurt me and so they literally snapped his fucking leg and Epictetus sat there and was like, "Yeah, it's all good, man. Like, I, like basically, like, I'm, like you, you can't hurt me. Like, you can, you can take my legs away. You can kill me. You can do whatever you want. You can behead me, okay? But you can't hurt me." And and that's how he became, you know, that's how he became disabled. his own master. Yeah, ended up being a really wealthy man. Jesus, man. But imagine having the mental fortitude. To have your legs snapped in front of you and still look the man in the eyes and say you're not my master only i can <laughs> i'm my own master wow. you can you can hurt my body but you can't hurt my mind it's like dude that is that is next level stoicism <laughs> i can't imagine that i can't i don't even think yeah. that story but is it's real. interesting That's though how ridiculous that is well i mean it would you know there's it's crazy there's pretty, there's, it's crazy there's the witnesses to it but no i believe but, you um, i believe you i'm just saying it's that crazy yeah, yeah. 
Well, no, I, I don't even know if I believe it, but it, you know, like point being, um, <laughs> uh, uh, where's it going with this? Oh yeah. So like, I don't think that I could get to that level of stoicism, but that doesn't mean that I don't still practice stoicism. Right. Like yeah, yeah, I'm not yeah. going to be the epic of, of modern day society. Like I'm not going to be the LeBron James of stoics, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Probably I mean, Michael Jordan would have been a better example, but, uh. <laughs> no, because I would say the Michael Jordan of Stoics was uh, Marcus Aurelius. Oh, okay, I, I see, I see. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, it, it well, purposely was LeBron James. Okay, yeah. good, good, good. I'm glad we're on the same page there. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> basketball players to Stoics. Yeah. By the way, Austin, I see your golf. I would say Seneca was definitely the Kobe because Seneca was kind of a little dark and a little bit evil, you know. And I feel like Kobe had like that Mamba, you know. So yeah, you're self-driven. Yeah. All right, well, we're gonna wrap it up here. But uh, Austin, I see your golf set out back. Um, bring it to Austin. You're muted. Uh, oh, sorry. I don't know if it would make sense to bring it to, well, first of all, definitely playing golf in Austin. However, yeah. John, do you know how to play golf? Mor- John Morgan, do you know how to play golf? <laughs> no. No. Okay. That's fine. Um, I only, I only play I will learn. Yeah. Yeah. We'll teach you. It's fine. But uh, no, I, I'm definitely playing golf in Austin, but flying with clubs isn't fun. So I'll probably just rent them. Yeah, true. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. By the way, do you guys know how to play ping pong? Because uh, oh. I'm the current champion of West. Uh, we've heard that you like playing ping pong, but you're not too good at it. So I'm definitely willing to play you for like a charity cause or something, you know, like. No, Jordan is. Like I want a rematch. Actually. That's all I know. I'm second. Amher's like fifth or something like that. Okay, Six hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we just <laughs> Amher's the commentator? Yeah. Wait, so are we are we announcing that? Um. So. Austin, Texas, November fifteenth. Hell of a name. If you're America, America, freedom. If you're listening to this, liberty. And you want to hang out with us in Austin, Texas, on November fifteenth. Send a, send a message to our Instagram and and we'll make it happen. We did the math and we technically have like I think three listeners in the state of Texas. Oh my god! <laughs> so, so just so, to let you know, yeah. the house the house we're staying in is a four bedroom. It's gonna be me, John, Austin, James Fedick, that Airbnb guy, and Riley Oikol, the the Previous Matt Andrews. Guest. Yeah, the similar to Matt Andrews to what he does. Yeah. So previous cast of the podcast. We're all gonna be hanging out together in the same house, and if you want to stop by, we have extra room for you. It's gonna be epic. Yeah. Tedious. By the way, um, I have to <laughs> acknowledge this because so my grandmother gives me like silver and gold for my birthday, typically. Oh my god. And. <laughs> and uh, anyway, so she gave me this coin that was her mother's, and it's from 1986. And on the back of it, it has this saying, which I, to be honest, I'm surprised I never heard of. I don't know if it's like, you know, but um, in it's uh, e pluribus unum, which I feel like is like totally mispronunciation. So I was like, it said that on the back of the coin, like in the most like ridiculous small font ever. Like I had to get like a magnifying glass and like look into it because I was trying to figure like what year the coin was. And in Roman numerals, it's 1986. But you like, I get in there even closer, and like, I see like this like Latin phrase. I'm like, what the hell does that mean? So I type it in my computer, and it's one of my favorite quotes ever. And it's out of out of many, one. Yeah. That's a badass quote, and it's the motto of America. And I was like, what? I'm like, I didn't know that. But I'm like, man, I just love America. America. So if you want to come out, shoot some golf, shoot some guns, and. Uh... Yeah, come out November 15th. 
All right. Till the 22nd, Austin, Texas. Let's we, go. We're announcing this now so that you guys can get your travel plans. In exactly. Order. Get those get those double vax going. Let's go. All right. I'll see you guys soon. See you next week. Good night, everybody. Hey, listeners. Thanks so much for tuning in this week. As usual, you can find us on Instagram at the Weekly Call Pod or through email at theweeklycallpod at gmail.com for any questions or comments about any of our material. And just to kind of pick our brain or even challenge us on a few things we said today. The intro and outro music was brought to you today by William Scott Thompson. You can find him on Spotify under that name. He has a lot of other great material on there that you can go listen to as well. Thanks so much for tuning in this week, guys. We'll see you soon.